Welcome to the podcast. The podcast doesn't have a name yet. Uh, we're still working on that. <laughs> but the topic uh, that we're covering in every podcast is quite simple. It's uh, money, motivation, inspiration, uh, successes, failures, uh, interesting people doing interesting things. Um, Steve Chapman, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> good to be it's here, good to see you. It's been a while. It has been a hot minute. Um, so I've been writing bios. I'm just going to do a quick one. If we don't like it, we can chop it up. Yep. Um, but yeah, so Steve is a Sydney-based entrepreneur and founder of Shine Drink, which we have here. Um, Steve founded Shine from the ground up. Um, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's gone from strength to strength. He raised a small amount of money and he has scaled this business to the moon. Uh, Steve's got a lot of stories that we're not going to put in the bio. We're going to put that in the podcast and um, we're going to get into it. Steve, thank you for coming on. Good, man. Good to be here. So, so many things to ask. Sunshine, <laughs> um, we'll crack one of these. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much. Cheers, bro. Cheers. So, first of all, congrats. It's been a wild ride. Thank you. It's, it's been, been a wild um, ride. It's been fun. Thankfully, a few more wins and losses. So, I'm yeah. still playing. <laughs> you, you know what? You've just set us off for the best uh, start to this podcast because, um, I mean, you and I both know, I don't think we know any um, entrepreneurs that haven't failed at something. Yeah. And um, a lot of people don't know this. We've known each other for, it's probably been over a decade now, bro. I would say over 10, yeah. Yeah, 10 years. Um, and, you know, this was pre-Shine. Yeah. We're working on our little business ventures together. Yeah. Um, I think real attracts real. I think you attract what you are in this world. And I think, um, you know, even if you do the same thing in different ways, there's still that cohesion. And um, I think prior to Shine, like, I think anyone that's met you, has known that you were always going to do something similar to what you do now. I think mm. that's a fair assumption. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of people, I think with a lot of entrepreneurs, it's like the iceberg. Everyone sees the tip, but mm. nobody sees the base. Mm. I've seen the base of your iceberg and it's impressive. <laughs> it really is impressive. And I'm, I'm impressed equally, if not more, by the things that didn't work than I am the things that did mm. because we all have to tick off a few things that failed. Yeah. Um, I remember I was working on my like little recruitment business and from from memory, one of your first ones, it was it was almost like you invented Facebook Marketplace before Facebook. <laughs> yeah, actually a couple of people have said that yeah. recently and I've never said it and claimed it. But, but did I did I kind of nail what it was? Yeah, it was it was Facebook meets eBay. Yeah. It was Facebook Marketplaces twelve years ago before it came out and then ended up getting sued and shut down by Facebook. Bullshit. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> before we, they launched it yeah so i i i wasn't aware of this yeah. so let's start um so yeah mate first of all it's been a pleasure for all these years and you've been very supportive of me and um you know i hope i've been helpful in any way possible yeah i think we always support each other from afar i agree i think as you said it's like my definition of success these days is doing things you love with people you love and you know i love the game of entrepreneurship and i love doing that with good people you know i it's so funny you mentioned that bro i read your bio the other day in linkedin i just stumbled across it and i read that as the first sentence and i was like man that's perfect because mm. that encapsulates what life's all about yeah and, it, and it's been a journey for me to stumble on that and i did yeah. think for the first 10 years it was more about the money and the status and the entrepreneur we both used to think that material success and <laughs> yeah. you know that would bring me happiness and ultimate satisfaction and it's cliche to say, but um, there's a lot outside of the game of just business that I think brings a lot of purpose and meaning in life. And yeah. for me, I, the best way I could summarize it was doing things you love with people you love. And it forces you to kind of 
filtered to goosebumps bro look at that <laughs> it forces you to filter i think two parts of your life one is who you're doing it with like what are the true people if you look to your left and look to your right like who are the people you're surrounded by mm. are they people you generally love are they people you are like in the game with you are they people that ultimately are um wanting the best for you and you want the best for them and then secondly is what are you actually doing are you showing up every day and living your best mm. life and living your purpose and ultimately giving as much value to the world as possible and i think those that aren't let's say doing things they love ultimately are going to create the most value um, and therefore the least impact in the world. I think um, two things in what you just said. Um, Part of it, number one, um, doing things that you love. I've noticed that a lot of brands that I have and that you have and a lot of ventures that we both own, um, they're reflective of who we are. Mm. You know, like you always were a growth hacker and innovator. You were constantly talking to me about ideas of just how to be cognitively better before Shine. Yeah. Like, do you, do you, do you, do you, are you aware of this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's Back almost day, as if, and yeah, and you're like, and... you're like, I've got this new way where you can optimize how you think and I've come up with this new way to like hack into a different part of the brain. People might not know this, but that like element of you, that's really like... um uh, that kind of, for lack, for a double entendre, shines through in what you've done yeah. with, with your product. Well, the, one of the, you know, let's say failures, but I would call learns, like mm. ultimately everything for me is a win or a learn. And thanks for the name of the podcast yeah. that we end up launching on 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 Shine. But um, one of the learns early was actually selling healthy energy drinks. This was 12 years ago, 13 years ago. Right. You know, which funny enough, you know, I'm still selling healthy energy drinks, but yeah. that was a network marketing business and pyramid schemes and Oh, so you were you were selling other people's energy drinks? Yes. Yeah. yeah right. This was this is yeah, thirteen years ago. It's called Verve. Um a company called Vima, which is eventual Vitamins, essential minerals, mango stain, and aloe. What happened to them? Uh, it was confirmed a pyramid scheme. Yeah. <laughs> and it got shut down and I lost a bunch of money and friends on it. I remember, I think I remember you tried to sell me a bottle. I would have, yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't give a fuck. I'll still be your friend. <laughs> I think um, th- the thing is, bro, like when you're young, like you've just got to go through the fire and get your hands burnt a little yeah. bit. And you, like your friends are going to love you regardless. You, like, you, the true you, ones will. Yeah, true ones will. Um, And that's part of the journey. I almost describe it as if like, you know, you walk through the fire and what disappears are things that you never needed anyway. Mm. And that dirty armor that comes out at the end, that's really what you needed all yeah. along. Yeah. And I I heard this recently actually from one of my psychologists, which was fire has a cleansing element to it. Like fire mm. burns away the backward, burns away things that you don't need and don't value. Mm. And then it leaves room for new growth. Like if you want to you know, grow a new forest, ultimately you burn the backward and then all new things will grow. So mm. I think sometimes it's good to have fires in our life it cleanses away, you know, what's not needed and it makes room for what could grow. Do you find, um, circling back to your original point as well, um, you know, things that, that fall apart. I've always said the people that were there for the struggle are the people that I want there for the success. Mm. Has that been a theme for you? Um, thankfully, I've had some really cool people in my corner for a long, long time mm-hmm. and that's been awesome. And I'm super grateful for that. Yeah. I think some people heard this. It was like friendships are there for a reason, a season or a lifetime. And, you know, you could probably filter through most people in that regard. And there's definitely there some there that are there for a lifetime and mm. others were there for a season. Like it could be a fun, you know, summer of party and it could be yeah. the hustle and the grind early days in startup or it could be um, a reason that they're there to teach you something. They're there, you're there to learn something from them. They're there to push you. They're there to give you a lesson by betraying you. And yeah. it's like that's a gift of, of the lesson. Where did you hear that phrase? Um, that was from another uh, performance coach. Um, a public one? 
No, it was, I guess she's public, yeah, okay. um, a lady called Maura Rampola and right. her and her husband started um, Zico Coconut Water and then sold that to Coke for, you know, a lots and lots of money, yep. you know, a long time ago. So um, a while ago when I was starting Shine, I reached out to anyone in beverage That's so that cool, had ever right? started a successful beverage company in, in, in the world, not just Australia. And um, um, her and her husband um, started Zico and that was a great story I wanted to learn from. And then she happened to be just this amazing performance coach right. as well. So I was like, hey, I'd love to work with you. If You're she... still in contact with her today? Yeah, I'd still do fortnightly sessions with her for probably three or four years now. Is she an investor or? Um, I can't, can't disclose. She's a huge supporter. She's involved in the business in some capacity. She's a huge supporter of me and that's Beautiful. you know involved in the business. So. Well, that fuels the business, bro. <laughs> so let's, um, let's go back to the start because um, before Shine kicked off, there was a face buy. I wasn't even aware you got sued by Facebook. <laughs> if it makes you feel any better, um, I'm having on, do you know Danny Chia? He's friends with Murillo. He's an accountant. Yeah, yeah, I think so, yeah. So he got sued by Jay-Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. There's a lot of people. I've been- I've Oh, been, yeah, the A to Z. Yeah, yeah. So I've been on the receiving end of some big <laughs> seven-figure lawsuits as well. We're both still here. Yeah. Um, it's a winner or learn. <laughs> yeah, that's it, bro. I say there's no, no losses in life, only lessons. Um, and, Not you that. know, you rack up a thousand losses. If you view it as losses, you'll be miserable. Mm. I kiss the ground every day for mine because I've got a thousand lessons. You yeah, know? And a thousand you ways it doesn't work. hundred percent. You can't get a degree for that. Um, I want to know, because you're always going to do this. Like, I don't think, I can't even imagine, like, unless it was a necessity at like 17, you ever entertaining a, like a career or a job for something you haven't created. I think that's just in your well, it DNA. It was at PwC. You were sorry? I was at PwC for a couple of years. How long was that for? <laughs> two like years? two and a half years, yeah. Was that when I was at uh, investment banking as yeah, well? Yeah, I think so. Right. When we first met, I would have been at, PwC, I think. But did you know that you were always going to like do something for yourself? Because I think we met when I was 19, maybe. Yeah. 18 yeah. or 19. Yeah, yeah. And I'm 30 now. Yeah. And I was PwC from, I was the youngest employee at Sydney in PwC. No, we met just before because I remember you got the job shortly after. So it would have been my 18th birthday then. Yeah. So you, did you graduate or did you? Well, I got my, I started PwC two weeks after I started, finished my, my high school um, HSC. And wow. I think you're supposed to go to uni for a year first. Um, and she, then I convinced the HR person. She went, from, went me, from high school to PwC? Yeah, like two weeks after. I really? literally finished my HSC, had a massive night, got, <laughs> and then started like 6th of Jan. That's sad. And the HSC finished up whenever it was, the, you know, late December or early early November. How did they slot you in out of high school? Um, the HR lady did did mess up there a bit. Yeah? Because um, I, just, I just convinced them on the intake date because I think you can – Ultimately, with high school, there's cadetship programs, which you go two years uni, two years work. Mm. So it's a four-year program. Um, and then I just wanted to do my two years work before my two years uni. Right. So I started straight away. And she's like, I don't see a problem with that. And then I got there and they're like, you know nothing about accounting. And you know, within two weeks, I was at Westpac's head office auditing their financial accounts. Right. They're charging me out at $350 an hour. I'm getting paid eleven twenty if you do the math. Wow. And I'm like, something's not right here. Someone's yeah. someone's getting a good deal. I don't know anything and Westpac's paying, you know, them three hundred dollars for me. So pardon me. Um with it's interesting because I, when I went into Goldman's, I skipped mm. the analyst program <laughs> and everyone used to get pissed off because they're like, oh, you haven't even done two years as an analyst. I'm like, yeah. But if like, if I'm here, why do I care? Like, yeah. Do you know what I yeah. mean? Like sometimes you just got to make shit happen. Yeah. And you know, most job, most training is on the job. Like you're not going to learn what you need to do to write an email properly or manage a, an account properly or ultimately like the particulars around a, a certain account and, and financial standards. You'll learn yeah. that pretty quickly. I'm surprised you... Um Oh, actually, I suppose two years is a good amount of time for that age because that is quite young. Well, I started Face by probably a year 
maybe even less than that on the side. Right. While so, I was at PwC. Gotcha. So you're 20 years old. You're at P-Dubs. You yeah. hustle your way in. You skip the analyst program. You skip university. <laughs> I'm doing uni officially right. part-time. I think I went to like one lecture. Gotcha. Okay. So you, you're doing the bare minimum. And this was before uni. Zoom was like even around. So it was like, right. I was supposed to be there. I just never went. Gotcha. Okay. So so doing the minimum at uni, um, hustle your way into PwC, um, doing your side hustle in parallel. Yeah. Yep. I, at the time I started yeah, working on Facebook. And, and um, okay. So talk me through what the concept was, how you executed it, what didn't work, how it failed and when you got sued. <laughs> Um, I think the the concept was spot on. Like Facebook Marketplace, it obviously works today. Proof is in the pudding. So I always pat myself on the back for at least my intuition was right on macro trends over time. Agreed. I think I saw eBay generationally wasn't appealing to the younger demographic. Everyone was on social and everything was getting social. I guess as a platform like payments were becoming social, commerce was becoming social, um, reviews you know, Airbnb, Ubers, like all this is effectively a social one-to-one instead of a one-to-a-company type of organization. So I wanted to bridge that gap with, you know, social commerce. So um, I think idea was right. Execution was just so wrong. And it was wrong because I didn't know what I was doing, Mm. but it was even more wrong because I had the ego that blocked me from learning what to actually do. Was it like, did it go in through the Facebook API or was it its own app? Yeah, yeah, it was own app, but integrated with Facebook, Twitter, and so it was a social store. You could buy, sell between friends on the social store. And it ultimately then had a, because I saw what was happening. It was an explosion at the time of um, buy, sell, swap groups. Yep. All those groups were just popping up everywhere. Amazing traffic, Northern Beaches, Mossman, you know, just secondhand clothes, textbooks, unis, tickets. Was it Gumtree was popping up? Gumtree well? was was coming up a bit, but Gumtree yep. was like the Wild Wild West. It was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. You don't know what you're getting on Gumtree. Try to buy a puppy and next minute you get stuck up with a gun. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So Gumtree, you know, and eBay had bought Gumtree as well. So Gumtree had lost its, um, you know, startup friendly, you know, right. innovation. It was just like now a free version of eBay was Gumtree. What year did eBay buy Gumtree? Oh, it'd been 15 years ago now. So, um, so okay. I saw Facebook buy source op groups popping off and realized that was where people were doing a lot of just quick, easy selling. And it was kind of locally based, like Northern Beaches versus Mossman versus Bondi. So I wanted to build like location based, you know, then I built um, a payment system, so an auction so people could actually, because people in comments on these buy source op groups would then auction up. You, you put know, a payment system yeah. integrated into the app. Yeah. So I had a payment system, wow. an auction system, and localized like where you where it was versus you. Had yep. in-house messaging. It had in-house rating. So then like an Uber, you could rate the seller and they could right. build a profile over time. And This was, is all inside the app? Yeah. Okay. And did you get the chance to go to proof of, proof of concept? Yeah, no, we launched it. It was one of the top lifestyle apps in <laughs> Apple. We won awards for it. We had 10,000 wow. downloads. It really? Was, it was I was rated as one of the top, I don't know, 25 entrepreneurs under 25 and I was Incredible. 20 at the time. And so there's like a lot of press, a lot of good public downloads, like the the teasers and the ads and Facebook groups. I'd was, I'd, you know, it was me and um, girlfriend at the time. We would like every single night just sit there and every single, and we joined every single buy, sell, swap group pretty much in Australia. Right. And then anytime anyone posted in any buy, sell, swap group in Australia, I will just message them privately and say, <laughs> hey i've just launched this new app love for you download it you could get more money for it because of auctions and payments and it's a secure way to pay and blah blah and then send them a trailer and i had really twenty thousand fifty thousand views for this you know trailers i had tens of thousands of downloads heaps of the problem was the app was fundamentally flawed from a payments um 
you know, and trying to build a marketplace, if you know anything about entrepreneurship now, it's very hard. You got to yeah, build supply yeah. and demand at the same time for sure. around the same article, same item and the same location. Yep. So it's like at the time I need tickets to the Beyonce concert, someone's trying to sell a secondhand truck in Brisbane. Yeah, yeah. And then someone's trying to sell secondhand dress size eight and someone's looking for a dress size 12 in different color. Like yep. to try and match the needs and wants of people at the same time, same on buy side and sell side. Yeah. Very, very hard. So yeah, that, yeah. that became, I didn't realize that I was trying to go too wide. I, every category, every location, just upload it all. And hopefully they start meeting each other in the middle. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my time again, I would have done very much more localized, specific, you know, Amazon started just with books. Like just own a category, like just do secondhand clothes. Keep it simple. Build that and then just do textbooks and just build these big categories and just do Sydney. So then you can build some, I guess, traction and some... Um, some mass to make it kind of viable. Do you think you went to, to cast the net too yeah, wide too fast? Yeah, massively. So you're just chasing numbers. Yeah, I was chasing downloads. I was chasing yeah. just people uploading stuff, but I don't think I'm, I, I can maybe one or two transactions on the whole thing. Well, it's still, it's yeah, it's a, it's a sugar hit. It's a dopamine rush <laughs> and it's an ego boost. And it's yeah. hard not to chase that because yeah. like, the way you talk about it now, it's very strategic. It's almost like you've looked back, you've dissected it and you've rebuilt it in your mind. Yeah. But at the time... When you got that energy, it's like, yeah. oh, we've got 10,000 downloads. Yeah. Who cares if they buy anything? Yeah, exactly right. And <laughs> yeah. it's like the actual purpose of it was to transact and enable people's transactions, mm. not to get as many people downloading my app. Because I thought that would get me the ticket to the Bahamas and a you know, million dollars from Facebook. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, people using it and getting value from it would have been way more a, a better strategy to optimize for. So... I didn't know about this getting sued by Facebook, part, bro. Yeah, well, I thought I was pretty clever um, calling it Face Buy because I wanted Facebook to buy me. Yeah. In <laughs> <laughs> it's like calling it acquired by Amazon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazon buy. <laughs> bro, I could have, I could have told you that was a silly idea. Well, mate, a few people thought it was right at the time. No one had the balls to tell me it wasn't. Actually, you know what? No. To be fair, it's easy to say that in hindsight. Yeah. Like, it, it does sound like a cool name. I just yeah. think, like, given we've both faced down litigation and whatnot, yeah. like, it's kind of, you you tend to calibrate towards caution now. Yeah. Well, and, I think yeah. a little bit more. And I think back then it was, like, high risk, high return. It would get noticed, which it did. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I got on the radar of Facebook's legal team, just not the M&A team, more their cease and desist trade. Did they have, um, were they using White and Case, the law firm? Um, I'm not sure who, who actually sent the letter. I could dig it up in the records. But... I've just been to court with Facebook many times, so <laughs> I happen to know their lawyers on a first name basis. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, that's a very it's a multi-billion dollar LA-based law firm. Um, because we've got a big influencer book, so yeah. we're constantly getting in battles with them. Yeah. Shout I'm out surprised. Facebook legal team. <laughs> no, why well, we cause we we um like we go pretty hard because like influencers can be quite lucrative. So when they like start messing with their pages and whatnot, yeah. like it does hurt our revenue. So yeah. Well, I'm kind of the same as you. Like if I want something, like I get quite passionate about getting yeah. that thing. And if I want them to be accountable for like, you know, tanking a page of someone who said something they don't like, it's I'm kind of like, no, we're going to actually pursue this. Yeah. Um. What, um, was we, it just a cease and desist or? It was started as that and then it escalated. Um. Then they shut down my app. They blocked the integration. They deleted my page. And I had... This was organic. Oh. This was 100% regional organic. I had 20,000 plus, you know, likes on my fan page. Bro, isn't that such a ruthless mafia approach? Yeah, it was like, we're going to send you this letter legally and then we'll fight it out for six, 12, you know, years. And in the meantime, we're going to shut everything down so you've got no value anyway. How did it feel to kind of be in that David versus Goliath position? Um, I know now I look back and go, oh, I got sued by Facebook. And like, that's yeah. a fun bar joke. But, yeah. you know, at the time it was just dark, man. It was yeah. not fun. It was, it was 
depressing. It was anxiety provoking. It was. It's an ego. It's an ego hit as well. It was like, yeah, like I, I artificially built up my ego before this, you know, it was through school, mostly because I got bullied a bit and I wanted to just protect myself from bullying. Um, so I developed a bit of an ego, like I didn't care. Just optimize for, you know, sports and that kind of stuff. And um, so then I end up forgetting that I was wearing this kind of ego mask and protection and bodysuit and then took that to PwC and it kind of reinforced it because I was 18 and yeah. at PwC with a corporate card and things and felt I was pretty you know, special winning in front of like my peer groups. And then I started the network marketing, healthy energy drinks to make some side money because the the app wasn't paying me anything because it was like a, we'll build it so big and then sell it for lots of money, not we'll make heaps of cash along the way business. Did you hide that from people? Like, did you kind of deflect the, the topic of like, what does it make? What does it do to kind of- Yeah, know, and I don't yeah. think startups back then were expected to make a profit, nor do I think they're, you know, there's some more profit expectations today, but only not oh, more recently. No, I just mean to your point of like, um, you know, you've got that suit of armor. Sometimes it's difficult to um, just talk candidly about the reality of how things are. 100%. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was people weren't transacting on the site. I knew that. I needed more money to go build it properly and get marketing and get proper technical techni- te- um, technology support because I didn't know how to build an app. I hired some developers. I didn't know how to design an app, so I hired some designers who happen to be the developers who knew nothing about design and UI and UX and all these things you need to know now to build a successful app. And um, it was mostly the ego that blocked me from asking for people who are more successful than me help and actually learning from experiences and probably putting the work. Like I want to be honest with myself now that I don't think I put enough work into actually f- obsessing with the problem, finding the solution and getting myself good enough to, to perform at that level I needed to. Cause it was a big idea. It was a huge idea. It was like, I never played the game of basketball before. My first game's in the NBA versus in Facebook. Like, yeah, I feel. I think entrepreneurship should start to the level that you're at at the time. Like, maybe you play with an e-commerce business, D 2 C, and then you get a little bit of like sell side. You get some advertising. You get some marketing nuance. You get a little bit of supply chain, mm. and then you add a okay, let's go B two B, and then you get some more corporate sales and more technical, bigger deal size, and you get some more negotiation, tech, you know, experience, and then yeah. you eventually level up your game of entrepreneurship. And then eventually you, you swing for the fences. You do an Elon Musk and you, you go for, you know, let's create a space company. But I think starting a space company when you're 20, it's very, 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 like your chances of failure are just so high that you're not going to get enough momentum under your belt. And most people will probably get crushed by it and not pick up the game again. I agree and I disagree. I agree in the sense that, yeah, in theory, if you're going to do something perfectly, it'd be good to rack up a couple of L's before you go for the big W. Yeah. But also... I think the world needs people crazy enough to believe they can do stuff like this. 100%. And, and I know you personally, you put a lot of pressure on yourself mm. and I can even hear it now where you will kind of bring some of that self-criticism in like, you know, I should have done this or I'm not even doing th- like that properly. I'm guilty of it too. Mm. Um, sometimes you need to zoom out and not focus on like, you know, what you did wrong or what you think you're doing wrong, but like, look at what you've done right, you know? Mm. And I don't mean that in an ego way. I just mean in the sense that sometimes when you're in that dark place where we've been, you can be very hyper self-critical. And sometimes you need someone to drag you out and say, no, no, look at what you've actually done. You know, Um, I think aiming for something big like that is a good thing, Mm. even if you fail at it. I really do because- uh, If you can sustain the loss. For sure. I, I'm super resilient. I'm like, yeah. I've been on the canvas a thousand times. I'll get back up and smile on my face. And I'm 
actually pretty calm and composed through chaos. And I'm like, <laughs> isn't it funny how you get to that point? Though? Yeah. Because I, I remember, um, you know, around the time that you kind of were in that dark place with your business, bro, I was in the darkest place ever. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. I, um, I remember the, when my first business failed, oh man, it was so brutal mm. because you feel like a loser. You feel like you're not good enough. Mm. You feel like all oh, my friends are on six figures and I've tried to do something that didn't work. So like I'm now be below them. You, you, you socially isolate, you, you self-isolate, you, you, you internalize, you, you talk shit about yourself. It's the worst thing in the world. And I say, even my worst enemy, like I wouldn't even put that onto anyone because mm. it's so hard. Um, yeah, I think you definitely pull back, particularly if we, and I did traditionally massively identify with success and my self-worth was very much linked to my net worth. And then it felt yeah, like yeah. I'd left PwC, dropped out, wrote a 16-page letter to my parents to actually leave it, dropped out of uni, yeah. you know, walked away from what would have been a very safe, privileged life of, you know, I've got friends now who I started with who are now partners earning, you know, half a meal plus. And I was like along the journey going, okay, if I was still at PwC, I would be making 150 by now or 200 by now or 330 by now. And I was then going, I'm in a startup, you know, <laughs> dark hole, not even like putting two ends together. Do you find now though that a lot of those corporate people – look at what you do and they wish that they were in the position where they'd created something that gave them that. So what you just described was like um, point one, two, three, four, but it caps, right? Mm. A lot of corporate people I've noticed um, who you may perceive that they've, that, you know, on a fat salary, that life's good. They'll look at someone who's built something because at the end of the day, what you've got, there's no cap right? Mm. There's no, I go here, I go here, I go here. And then here's where I'm happy. And then that's it. Flat lines. It's the sky's the limit. Mm. Do you find that people in that position, you know, kind of wish they do what you do now? I don't want to like philosophize too much on what others want. I feel I do. I can talk from my own experiences that I did that. I was sitting at PwC when I was 20 or 19 going, I was reading, um, you know, Branson's biography. And I was like, that's what I want to do. Like yeah. Branson, I read it first book cover to cover. And I never, never finished a book before in my life because I just wasn't interested in the topic with Harry Potter or <laughs> Lord of the Rings or whatever it is. <laughs> Which like, book was it? Because he's got a few. Uh, it was Branson. It was by Tom Bauer, I believe, was his biography. Um, and I picked it up and just lit me up. It lit me up around his, you know, early days with his magazine and just kind of student stuff and just building the Virgin brand. And then I was reading um, at the time I was sitting in an office. I've got a Facebook post on it on, on Facebook um, where. Zuckerberg, who's 26 years old, had just created Facebook and it had just got to a billion users. And the guy's 26 and he's created something that a billion people in the world are using. Yeah. And I was posting about it on his app. Yeah. And I was like, that's cool. I want to do something like that. Bro, do you know what? It's so weird because when people ask me, what do you enjoy most about what you do? Because um, it's, I mean, it's not the level of shine in terms of like mass market scalable, but it's still, you know, thousands of customers type of thing. Um to that point, just the concept of creating something and the thing is in here, right? And then you bring the thing out into the world and then people in the world mm. pull out their wallets and give you money for the thing. Yeah. Like that feeling, I yeah. don't know how to better describe it. It's how like does that the, feel for you? Translation of an idea to like tangible value. And Can I tie something together with this? Because yeah. remember at the start how I said like shine's kind of a reflection of you. Yeah. And remember how you told me that like you were seeking approval from like certain people at that time. Yeah. Do you feel now you've almost created a product that's a reflection of you that you've put out into the world? Like, how does it feel now to have all those people validate what you've created? 
to, to say to I you feel, that I feel it's like good. one step removed remove from it because I don't, it's not like I hand them a shine and then they tell me. Mm-hmm. And also like shine's bigger than me, like shine's my team and shines my co-founders and shines all the people who've worked for us in our past. It's also your baby. And it's the retailers <laughs> and it's the suppliers and like so many people bled, you of know, course. into shine. Like it's not, it's my, their fingerprints are all over this. So being very humble, Steve. No, <laughs> no, I been, mean like the creation. Like, I know, I, I get yeah, but the like idea. I, I'm fully 100% aware that this wouldn't happen without me, but this also wouldn't happen with a bunch of other people. Right. So there's this paradoxical, what's known as paradoxical axiom where you're, you're infinitely insignificant and the exact same time you're like infinitely significant and we're like a grain on the beach of the, like a grain of sand on the beach and you go like that sand's piece of sand is not important it's a grain of sand on a beach of millions and millions and millions and millions of pieces of sand but then you take one away and you go nothing changes the beach is still there grain of sand is somewhere else you take another one away you take another one away and eventually you keep taking grains of sands away and there's no beach left right and you go which grain of sand was the most important which one made the beach Right. Was it the last one? Of course not. The beach is already gone by that point. Is it the first one? Well, no. Obviously, the beach is still there when the first one's gone. The answer is each one is infinitely as important to the beach as the others. But at the exact same time, it's infinitely not important to the beach whatsoever. And I think that's us as humans on this planet rock is all of us are so significant and so important. My life impacts so many others and I bring this impact to the world. But at the exact same time, I'm a combination of some carbon yeah, walking yeah. around this rock and I'm not going to make an impact whatsoever. And no one over time would even know that I'm here. Mm. And that's like shine. Like I'm super, super important to making this happen. But at the same mm. time, so is everyone else. Right. No, I get it. I get it. So we're going deep in there philosophically. No, 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 no. That's spoken like a true taxi. <laughs> I felt like I was talking to one of the guys from Silicon Valley just now. No, because it's, it's very, I mean, because that concept can invoke different types of emotion, mm. right? Because it can invoke inspiration as being a part of a collective but it could also invoke depression in that like you know what you i mean matter, yeah. yeah you know like i mean i believe we're all on the brink of destruction yeah and it's like we know the song ends but we still enjoy the music yeah i feel and i think the the awareness of death and and impermanence is important because you then appreciate the moment and the beauty and everything we have right this very second yeah is all there is yeah i think I, I like if i look at that my view on the world is like yes we're insignificant but even if it's in a small way like my objective is just to come in here have a bit of fun leave it better than when i let when i came. yeah yeah that's but that, my view but i think that's the thing i think that's the beautiful axiom about or the the you're like the most important person in the world and that is equally as true as you the least important person in the world. And they're both true. Mm. And I think just having the awareness of both ends of the spectrum and playing within the two is what's important. If you think you're the most important person in the world and act like that all the time, then you're a bit of a dickhead. Oh, yeah. And if you think you're the least important person in the whole world and you, like you're a bit of a like a bit of a sad person. Yeah. And that's also because they're not true, but they're equally true at the exact same point and we live in the in the flux between them. Where did you get this concept from? Uh, I was walking uh, along a beach on some... (laughs) (laughs) Were you really? (laughs) Literally walking on the sand? Yeah. Oh, so you just came up with this one? Yeah. So this is a Steve when it clipped that one. (laughs) That's good. I like that. That's an original. Um, Yeah, like it's beautifully tragic in a sense, I guess. (laughs) Well, I think for me, it it brings um, importance to what I do because I know Mm. I'm so so important. Like that grain of sand is like so incredibly important because you take away that from the beach and the, the beach is no longer... Mm. But it also remembers, and for me, it's like life is a sense of play and sense of games. And ultimately, we, we play a number of games. And for me, with games, you want to play well. Mm. And by playing well, you play both cooperatively and 
competitively at the exact same time. So you and I both agree to the rules of this game. We're playing co- cooperatively, which is let's say we go play beach volleyball. And then if, if every time I hit it out, I think I get a point. It's, it's game over pretty quickly. It's not very fun. Same time, if we're not playing competitively and if I, every time I hit it to you, you just let it hit on the ground and I win 21-0, also not very fun. I'm not going to play with you again. Yeah. <laughs> so there's this beautiful um, progression of gameplay, which is we're sticking to the rules whilst playing to win and we both equally then get better and better and better and better. And that's like the beauty of games. Mm. I think that's the same for business. It's the same for relationships, the same for friendship. It's the same for sports games on the weekend. It's as young kids, I think we get socialized to play and it's one of the most important things in adult development is learning how to play. And as soon as we forget that we're playing, that it's a game, we're playing cooperatively and competitively. And we think we're the, let's say character in the game and not the person who's behind the scenes playing um, then we can take things a bit too seriously sometimes. Yeah. No, I see it a lot. I see a lot of people who take things too seriously. Yeah. And um, yeah, sometimes you've got to pull them back a little bit. Um, to that point, I think I, I, I genuinely believe, and I think your evidence of this, as am I, that um, that we are the architects of our own environment and we are also the product of what we create in terms of who we surround ourselves with. You surrounded yourself with some very bright minds who I've had the privilege of knowing as well. And I think you're, you're, you're a product of that. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how the people that you've chosen to surround yourself have shaped you. Mm. And um, let's start with that. Cause I think that's important. Yeah. Well, I, I, we're such social creatures, right? Like yeah. we have these mirror neurons inside of us that we're literally always just looking around going, what's that person doing? What's that person doing? What's that person? And I'm, am I like fitting in too much? Am I fitting in, not yeah. fitting in enough? Like it's like our biggest fear is ultimately at a group level and a tribe level we don't fit in. So for me, just surround yourself with the right people. You subconsciously, your brain's just un- unconsciously learning and adapting and upgrading if you're in the right environment or downgrading if you're in the wrong environment. So um, very early on deliberately it was like okay who are the people that i want to be subconsciously upgrading from all the time and um people who elevate you yeah i think you want to be the, the dumbest person in the room and i don't think that just in one in let's say intellectual level but i think you can learn something from hopefully a lot of people like emotional intelligence social intelligence gameplay um personable skills but also maybe intelligence maybe business skills so for a long time i just optimized for business and entrepreneurship success. So like, I was like, just entrepreneurs. Yeah, yeah. I just need to surround myself with successful and super successful entrepreneurs. It's kind of, isn't it weird though, to that point, like it's almost as if now, like if you just look at us for just in this room, like it's almost by, by default, we're surrounded by people like that because it's like, we don't really choose it at this point. It's mm. just what happens. You know, yeah. people come to us for advice. People come to us for participation. Like mm-hmm. it, it goes from that point of being the architect yeah. to like, the law of attraction almost. Yeah, 100%. Like, like is that what you would call it? Yeah, and what we put out is what we'll get back. And yeah. I think some people, and this is unfortunately sometimes what happens with the paycheck, is you do the work and then you get paid. And I think people forget that is you do the work first, okay, you put value out and you do things and then you get the rewards from it. And some people don't want to do anything until they get paid. Yeah. And some people just want to will go, when I get paid, then I'll go do this. When I get the promotion, then I'll start working harder. It's like, no, no, no. You start working harder, then you get the promotion. Yeah, and but I that's hard to instill in people sometimes. Very hard yeah. because it's a fear-based, what if I don't get it? Then yeah. I've just wasted this time. It's like, well, what if you don't get but it? But that kills so much potential in people. Yeah. I, I, and I've seen it and it's tragic. And I've, I've been saying to people lately that I honestly think for, for me, and I don't know about how it is for you, I found like, I'd say nine out of 10 people that come to me for advice, don't execute it. Yeah. I would honestly say one out of 10 do. And not to like, you know, suck myself off here, but that one out of 10, they're all 
incredibly successful. Yeah. Incredibly successful. Yeah. And and the nine out of ten that don't, um, <coughs> pardon me. So you know, let's say and someone. Well, I was just going to say they come up and they say, "What do I do? One yeah. and two on a Friday? Oh, I'm depressed. Did you do one and two? Oh no, try it Monday. Okay, I will yeah. come back Monday. Oh, I'm really depressed still. Oh, really? How did one and two go on Friday? Oh no, I was going to. And it's yeah. this cycle of just like yeah. saying, "I will, I will, I will," and nothing happens. And yeah. it's like, and then they wonder why they're depressed. Yeah. How does that work for you? Well, I was going to say, I think that's to your point around the differentiator for a lot of people is um, one of my one of my mentors, my biggest mentor, um, Dr. Sam Prince, who's you know now a billionaire and he's owner's owner of Zambrero and philanthropist philanthropist and a doctor and it's a tough one to get off the tongue now <laughs> yeah you know the guy's you know taken a um a public health concern disease out of this country you've like, been in business the whole time i've known you almost the whole 10 years right yeah it's, yeah. it's 10 years um officially but longer than that from a friendship perspective yeah. um and i reached out to him early days and i kind of tracked him down. And I remember this, Steve. <laughs> I remember this vividly. And I remember wanting to learn from people like him and people, as I said, wanted to um, be in that environment of the people he was hanging out with and, and learning from him. And uh, the first time we met, you know, I realized he wasn't drinking alcohol much and I, therefore I didn't drink. And then just the two sober people always end up chatting at a bar. Yeah. Isn't it fascinating, bro, how like you do take on those attributes of your mentors? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think you absorb them. It's 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 a, a simulation. Like you spend so much time with them. And if you idolize them and if you go in with a blank canvas, then you ultimately are a canvas for them to paint on as well. Do you? That's a good point. Do you feel you're now kind of more of a product of kind of two canvases? One that was painted by the people that you chose to give access to and then another one that you've painted yourself yeah and i, and I think the ratio of let's say um what is true steven you know or true steve entrepreneurship for example or person and then what is the combination of all the different mentors i've had and specifically sam you know for a period of time i went all in with sam for those three years pretty much where you know, I went from failing and getting sued by face by and Facebook and, and feeling like socially isolated and went in my in my hole. And then I was like, cool, self-worth is very, very low. Mm. So I'm going in blank canvas. Like clearly what me naturally in the world of entrepreneurship didn't work. So I'm going to go zero Steve and then I'm going to learn 100% Sam. Can I say something just on this point? I'm going to tell you this at a personal level. When I first met you, you didn't have to try to be anything. Yeah. There, there, and I've said this to anyone who listened, there is an exceptionally cool person inside of you, just yeah. so you know. And anyone who doesn't realize that, like it's a huge loss because within you, the, the things that I noticed before you even opened your mouth was empathy, intellect, curiosity, kindness, ambition, like that has been in you. So yeah. just don't lose sight of that yeah, because no, that sometimes now, yeah. you need someone to just kind of grab you and be like, listen, man, no, no, <laughs> you've got these great attributes. And you, I just want to let you, you know, you genuinely do have those attributes. Yeah, no, I appreciate and that. And yeah, no, I think sometimes you got to hear that. No, no, no I get that. And, and, and I remember- <laughs> It's weird to hear, hey. <laughs> well, yeah, like you met me before Sam. So you got that before that. And, and, I, and, I, and I think this is a free market. Like we're capitalists in the other days. Like Sam saw me, my value that I could bring as well. It wasn't, I was a, you know. The weird catch 22 when you recognize that, hey. Yeah, I wasn't a useless, like no skill, no talent, no ambition. And he turned me into something. It was like, I had all the raw potential, all the raw talent, you know, it was a good mix. And then he kind of just sharpened the saw. Well, you're a good investment too, Exactly. And I think, you know, um, 
and and you know, hopefully Sam would be proud to say you know that that as well. And I think well, so. I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, man. Yeah, and I think um, so. So to answer your question, you know, I went in though at the time I had so self worth low because of my external success at the time had failed. So then I went to let's say 100% Sam for a couple of years, and then you know over time it's like okay, Sam is his own person, he's his own personality, his his own traits, genetically beliefs all the rest of it and his own dreams of what he wants to achieve as well. And we're very, very aligned in a lot of ways, hence why it works so well for so many years. Um, but then it's going, oh, there's actually some stuff that is inherently really special about me and the, my beliefs and my upbringing, my genetics and my personality and all the rest of it. So it's like, I shouldn't just discount them just to try and play Sam's game, which is I play my game and learn as much as I can from sign. We've got internally, like we've always looked at like Michael Jordan versus Kobe huge overlap. Kobe's obsessed, studied with Michael's game. Michael ultimately played his game. Kobe ended up developing his own game over time, but it was, a, it was very inspired by, by MJ. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's weird. It's almost like, um, at the start, how I said, like, we've got like, even you and me, for example, like similar in very, very many ways, um, on the same path in the same industry, playing the same game, but also like different circles that get us to where we want to be, you know, like, um, yeah, they're not like, mutually exclusive like two different people can have two different sets of mentors and still work towards the same goal yeah um and i think the game of business if we're playing optimizing for the game of business or entrepreneurship you know there's similar traits that you need to become good at to win and that's teamwork and leadership and innovation and creativity and you know calculated risk taking hmm. um communication influence negotiation yeah um, there, there's just like some fundamental rules like if you want to be good at chess like you probably got to be good at you know logical thinking over time you yeah my be- <laughs> my co-founder is a chess player a little fucker <laughs> he um this kid's a weapon he made his first million at the age of 19 didn't tell anyone playing poker wow yeah so he was a chess player so he was a chess nerd his whole childhood so he's got really good short-term long-term memory oh man he's a weapon he um it's fascinating though because he he's so logical mm. because he's a chess player and a poker player that like sometimes he'll forget that people are humans because like i yeah. say oh the investors want to talk and he'll go why i'm like i don't know because i just want to hear your voice and he goes but if i talk then i'm not making money so quantitatively <laughs> why would they want to talk to me i'm like i don't fucking know can you just talk to them please so it's yeah. kind of you got to get a bit of a middle ground <laughs> well i think that's the thing it's like we're humans we're irrational like we're predictably irrational we're bigly irrational big time irrational so, so i think we need to understand human psychology that's one of the other skills of entrepreneurship i'd say is you know ultimately we're Creating products for humans mm. most of the time and maybe AI one day. Well, you've got to be able to read a room, bro, as mm-hmm. well. Like, I mean, if, you, if you're if you naive enough to think everyone wants to be your friend, like not everyone has good intentions. You yeah. probably know that just as well as me. Yeah, I, I still walk around with a healthy glow of ignorance. Or like, oh, let's so say, do I. Um, so do I, man. So do I. Like optimism. Um, I, I generally want to see the best in, in everyone. I'm more aware now of some of the downsides of, of human nature. But yeah. It's not that they're they're coming from a bad place. Like I think everyone. Some people are. No, I just don't, I don't know. Like, very few people are truly evil. I, I think, agree. I agree. I think with that. I agree. every side of history, there's two people in a war, and they're both mm. thinking they're doing the same same thing. Completely. And agree. they're doing the right thing. And if you, and if we sat in their shoes and their beliefs and their history and their culture and all the things that happened to them happened to us, and we stood at the exact same moment in time, we would probably think the exact same thing they thought. Mm. So it's like everyone came to that belief, not from their own accord, but because of all the combination of everything around them up until that moment. And if we had those same exposures, we'd probably think the same. So for me, when I see evil done in the world, um, I think it's ultimately based on our own self-interest, which everyone has as humans. And in that sen- in that frame of mind, then I, I think it's not personal. It's their 
they're on their own journey. They're doing what's best for them. If yep. you can understand what their self-interest is and you can align your self-interest to their self-interest on your worst day, on their worst day, you know, it's still a good day. Yeah, bro. One thing I've got good at lately is um, uh, kind of, not lately, just in adulthood, um, mm. like seeing other people's point of view yeah. and learning. And I don't know if you have the same thing, but like, Two points of view can coexist. Yeah. Like we can completely disagree on a topic. It doesn't mean we need to hate each other. 100%. Like, and in fact, you would encourage that, right? hundred percent. I don't want to be agreed with all the time, yeah. but I think when you're younger, sometimes it's weird. You just, you, you feel like, like if someone doesn't share your point of view, it's like personal. Yeah. When I think, I think maturity is realizing that like, it's not personal. It yeah. Just it's how the world is. And I think for me, at least it's optimizing to truth. Like, I don't care mm. if I'm right or wrong, but I want to know the truth. Yeah. And, and then that becomes, it's not my personal view. It's a view that I hold instead of my view, it's a view. Mm. And then suddenly I've detached my identity to my view. It's a view that is currently a thought generator in my mind. And I can pull it out of my mind, put it on the table. <laughs> we can both look at it and go, is that right or wrong? Like, what's your thinking? And then you're looking at it from a different angle. I'm like, yeah, cool. Yeah. Let's slightly refine this and polish this view and put it back in. And then I'll... <laughs> hold on to that until I meet someone else who challenges it. And I go, cool, let's put it on the table. Yeah, so it's and like evolving. It, just, it keeps evolving. It yep. keeps improving. It keeps getting sharper. And I think wisdom is to be able to detach, detach from these views, look at them from all perspectives at, across all levels of thinking, emotionally, intuition, logical, rational, you know, social, like across time to go, does this make sense today and tomorrow and in 20 years time? And if you can wrap all those perspectives, like I think that's true wisdom. Yeah, and I you agree. can't be like on one side of the fence looking at the view if you're going to try and get all those perspectives in it. Yeah, no, I agree, and I, I've like, I think it's 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 arrogant to to think that like a view can't change as well because oh, I've yeah. had my views change on heaps of things, and it, and it, and it should. Hundred percent. You, you probably you get more data, and yeah. you can yeah. I think there was a famous president that got elected, and they got into office, and I think it was Roosevelt maybe, mm -hmm. and they're like. um what the hell? Like yesterday, you said the complete opposite of this. He goes, "Well, the facts changed, so did my yeah, view." Yeah, that's a good point. It's like, well, what do you do when the facts change? Do you, yeah. do, you not, do you not update your view? Like, yeah, and that's. I think that's the most dangerous thing is people who, when the facts change, like they can't recalibrate. Yeah, and that it was probably just called stubbornness, to be yeah. honest. But um, yeah, that's problematic, especially in leaders, because yeah. that's what well, I've it, seen businesses fail because of that. Yeah, and, and psychologically, they test for open mindedness versus closed mindedness. Really, and open mindedness is that ability to. Uh, um, listen and and consider new information to update update your thinking. Ultimately, if you're closed minded, you're obviously not going to assess any new information. Who tests for this? Um, psychologists do. It's like the right. big five. They okay. test for like openness versus closeness, like um, extroversion versus introversion. They look for conscientiousness or not, and they look for are you more task or, or people orientated? Really? And then you can map pretty much everyone on those five traits, and then you get personality traits. Did you? Yeah, right. It's fascinating. I'm just, I'm just thinking back because I always used to, um, when I was younger, apply for Macquarie Bank. I could never get in <laughs> because I would always ace the um, academic test, but I'd fail the personality test. I'm like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> I'm wondering if it's because I wasn't a psychopath. Yeah. Like I got into Goldman's obviously, so I did something right, but yeah. I'm like, <clears throat> what's Macquarie Bank looking for? Well, what I guess at that want? age, they're probably looking for more analyst, like decision-making, robotic thinking more right. than like people personality because you won't be a manager for many years. Yeah, that makes sense. So they would want ultimately AI machines back then just in human form. Yeah, right. Well, hopefully um, Macquarie Bank will work for me at some stage. <laughs> so then the tables can turn and I have to take that stupid test to get in that crappy <laughs> club for jerks. Um, I want to talk to you about <clears throat> just on the topic of like, um, you know, calibrating how you think and mm. um, 
you know, how failure shapes how you view the world and, and, and how that builds up resilience. Because I know you've got a lot of resilience and there's a few examples I want to talk to about that specifically with you. Um, uh, when it comes to, you know, where we are now and, and failure versus success, and I, I've, I've had this like reshaped view where I'm so less afraid of failure now mm. because I think the reality is when you've done a thing, right, and you've achieved that, even if you fail after that, you can't undo the original achievement. Yeah. So it's like if I've made a million dollars, right? Like you can't undo having made that. Yeah. And so I feel now I'm at a point where if I fail, I'm like, I don't care because I'll do it again. And if I fail and that doesn't work and I do it on the third time, I still will not lose the fact that I've already done it yeah. Like to begin with. And I think that's two parts. I think there's the identity and confidence that comes from your fact of you made a million before. Mm. But I think more importantly as well, it's you've actually developed the skill sets to make a million. Yeah. And the skill sets are infinitely repeatable. And then once you learn how to do it once, you know how to do it a thousand times. So I think for most people, they're like, how do I make a million? It's like, they don't know how. Mm. And once you do it, it's it's a formula. You can repeat it over time. Not intimidating. And that, there's always an element of luck. Timing is one of the biggest important factors. So hence why you might not be able to do it again the very next time. And you might have a couple more failures, but you know in your back of your head, it's just a numbers game. And like you play in a game like Halo, you, you once you've finished the game, you know how to do it, then you can maybe yeah. increase the difficulty. Maybe you go to, you know, yeah, heroic yeah. mode, then you go to legendary mode. Then yeah, you go, yeah, cool, yeah. like now you know you're playing at a high level, but you know you can do it because you've done it at an easy So you level. recalibrate as you go up levels. 100%. Sort of thing. Like we're playing games here and ultimately you want to get, get better at playing the game. If I took everything that you've got and it was taken away in a day, all the money, the business, all gone, if it disappeared, how would you feel and what would you do? What about my skills and... Oh, no, you get to keep those. (laughs) No, no, I'm just going to take all the money and I'm going to take the business. Let's say a new government's come in, we've seized it because there's been a, uh, I don't know, we're anti-shine now. And so so we've taken all the money, we've taken the business, all you've got is two feet and a heartbeat and what's in your head? I was actually thinking about this, I was joking out loud with a mate of mine who I was kind of going like, let's do it. Like, (laughs) What, bankrupt ourselves? Let's go to zero. (laughs) I've been there, bro. Like full zero. Like, I've, I've gone like to full all, zero. All properties, all homes, all but businesses, like like full net sale and then donate the money to charity or something. Like start with $100 or something. And then- and then, are you talking to this about? <laughs> and then, and then like start, like knowing everything we know now, but like, and then like document it, film it on TikTok or something like that. That's cool. And then like, and then almost that. like stopwatch it. Like how long does it take you to get back to this current? And I feel like it would take- a third of the time, maybe even less to, you know, it took me, let's say 10 years to get to where I got to now. I've been, you know, in this game since PwC 12 years, Mm -hmm. but really since business started, maybe 11 years, I think I could do it maybe in three years. Um, And it'd be fun. It'd be really fun. Like from a game perspective to do it, practically speaking, there's a bunch of people in my life that would, you know, be pretty shitty if I did that. Bro, the way you answered that question was so perfect. I'm going to translate that into like a dumb version of an answer. So I've just said, I'm going to take away everything. I'm going to take your business, your money, everything. You're going to lose it all. You've basically just given me a story which said, I wouldn't give a fuck. It would be fun. I would enjoy it and it would be cool. And I'd film it. And I'd probably document it, <laughs> which you'd get millions and millions of so that's your yeah, answer. TikTok views for it. Click that one. <laughs> but- that is so cool. Isn't it weird? Like, could you imagine talking to 20-year-old Steve who's sitting in that dark place, beating himself up and say, man, in 10 years, you're not even going to give a fuck about this mm. because this is going to become so easy that like, um, it, sorry, it's going to be hard to get it's to hard. the point where it becomes easy. That part is very hard. But I once you not, get there- I think it's not easy. I think it's simple. I think it's mm. turning the complex to simple. And I think the hard work still needs to get done. I don't want to like- 
under, I, I don't want to miss that point, which is like, it's Big still time. freaking hard work. And you got to, I, and in my mind, I've got like three components to it. It's time multiplied by effort multiplied by skill. And that equals value or value yeah. creation. So yeah. if you want to create a, heaps of value, which ultimately translates to money or whatever else you value in life, it could be purpose or meaning or joy or whatever it is. But let's say if you want to, let's say effort times or multiplied by skill is going to then be determining factor by how much, how long it's going to take you. So you want to increase the decrease, the time it's going to take you up the skill massively. So go get massive skill acquisition yeah, and up the intensity. So like put heaps and heaps of effort into it. And then the time's going to be way short. If you want to just cruise and not really develop any skills, it's going to take you 50 years, but you yeah. could do it in five if you up the intensity and skill. Sometimes when you and me have these conversations, it feels like Joe Rogan talking to Elon Musk because <laughs> it's just, you have such like a good way of creating formulas and strategies around concepts. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> which I think you've always had that skill. Well, I think I like to understand what's happened. Like I'm like, yeah. I'm trying to make sense of the world and go Have you like, always been this analytical? Um, I'd say it's a combination of like creative analytical. Like it's like okay. I can create the framework or create this like in my mind. I just generally see it first. I'll see it in like a little like picture and then I'll like, okay, what are the elements to get what I'm trying to solve for? And mm. that, thankfully I've got an okay ability to then communicate that to others. So then yeah. it helps me understand it because I have to communicate it. Yeah. Um, I think any any idiot can like rope learn an algorithm. It's like, can you create the algorithm yourself? Yep. Yep. That comes from actually truly understanding what you're solving for. Mm, I agree. What about, I want to, um, so I want to talk about two things. One thing is, I'll just cover this off because it's quite related to what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. But in terms of, um, you know, we're at a fortunate place, I think as entrepreneurs where we've done X, Y, Z. And so our views on things are a lot different. I'm trying to... Well, part of the whole podcast series is it's for people who want to kind of kickstart and do something and mm. get over that fear barrier. Mm -hmm. I um I mentor a lot of people who, you know, I'll have to talk them through like overcoming fear, overcoming doubt. Don't beat yourself up. It's okay to fail. You need to embrace it. Like if we step back and kind of assume like, you know, you've, 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 let's say you've got a different view to post creating all these businesses and all these companies, mm. like what's your best advice to people who are in that dark place and and they are isolating themselves they're going through a hard time they think nothing's going to work like how how would you talk to someone in mm. that place now i think for me and and i've been back to that place a few times thankfully mm. it's not as dark uh and i'm not there as long good um for me it's like finding the eye of the storm sometimes when you're in a storm you can be in the perimeter of the wind and you just like getting smacked in the face by a flying tractor and there's another one and it comes around and you look around <laughs> yeah. and, you're going like, and you can feel the resistance you yeah. can feel the wind against your skin but you keep finding and you keep searching you and you find the eye of the storm which is shit's going on like there's a lot of there's flying tractors around you can you can see it but that you're standing in the middle and you can watch it all and you're not getting the resistance from the wind and i think for me trying to get to that place where you've so centered and grounded and it's a place of fortitude. It's a place of equanimity, which is like, even though there's really, really rocky seas, like you're steadfast in the North Star, you're steadfast in the compass of where you're heading and you've got control of the rudder. You're talking about finding like the calm within the chaos? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And it's finding comfort through discomfort. That's a big one. That one's hard. That, yeah. like, when and that you... can be practiced. I think that's yeah, a skill. I agree. And I think it's not, people get born with it or not. Maybe they get born with like naturally slightly greater ability of it but it's definitely a skill and i then go okay how do you break that skill down and it's like for me it's like energy management is massive so right. like sleep diet exercise like three fundamentals yeah. like 
sleep well. So then you, every night your biochemistry is reset. You've got your best chance to actually give your best to this point because this is all about emotional regulation at this point. Mm. And sleep will be the number one factor for that long term. Mm -hmm. The second is diet. Like, are you actually fueling your body with shine and nootropics? <laughs> 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 but also, you know, like actually feeling your body with enough proteins and macros and, and energy to actually then go and do what you need to do. Um, and then third, exercise. Like there's no better biohack. Oh, I cannot agree more, man. Than exercising, cardio and weights, you know, once a day for 30, 40 I've 40 never minutes. forced myself into the gym and walked out saying that sucked ever yeah. in my whole you life. You never regret it. No. It's never a bad idea. No, now it's an ice bath and a 100%. sauna. <laughs> yes, mate. Yes. And I'm not coming on your sauna podcast, by the way. No, I'll last two minutes, man. No, you'll be fine. And like, like an ice bath, it's like three minutes exposure for like, 24 hours of feeling amazing. How did we not know about this for like, how has this only just become mainstream? I think it's, yeah, more accessible now. So, you know, back to what you're talking about. It's like, okay, like let's sort out the fundamentals. Let's sort out ourselves. Like ultimately we need to control our mental state and our physical state. Physical state is going to be sleep, diet, exercise. Mental state is going to be then around, I would say something like a meditation, something like a mindfulness practice where you can go, I'm not my thought. So I'm not going to attach to this negative thought over time and let that force it. And then once they're kind of like centered and there's a calm, you're going to be in an amazing place to then go and deal with the chaos of what's next. What about the element of, because sometimes when you do have sleep, diet, exercise, right, um, there is still that, like, it's easy to do it, but there's still that negative thought management. Yeah. Like for me, it's just, I like to just to be real, like I've just, I've always relied on my, my mentors because yeah. I, you know, I don't have much family. Um, I... You know, I've, yeah, like similar to you, I've always attached to people that I admire. Mm -hmm. And so when I seek um, input from them, it makes me feel better mm. because someone I admire is telling me something mm. um, designed to make me feel better. And so I listen to it a lot more. Yeah. Did, did you find that that helped when you're in that place at all? Um, I think I'm actually not as good as this as I'd like to be because- what I fear, and this is something I'm still working through, is I go to the mentors more when everything's great. I'm like, a little bit of a pat on the back. Okay, cool. There's enough here for me to build on. And I'm in a good place to then give them all my energy, give them my time, give them my skill set, give them and learn from them and take their advice and really apply it and then show them amazing work that I've done with it. I often go more insular. I go like- I've noticed that. <laughs> inward when yeah. times aren't good. I'll go like, I'm actually sometimes not good again back to people. I'm like, and I'm like being myself up about it because I'm like, oh man, like I, I want to, but I reach this like, no, I need to get myself sorted first so then I can help them, support them, serve them. Like I need to serve myself sometimes first. And that's, it's such a- It's it, tough, man. It's, it's, it's an irony or it's like, it's annoying because I'm like, I know they can help me being social, being open and stuff like that will help me. But like to just try and open that front door sometimes is, is, is hard when like if I open the front door, there's a snowstorm out there. Yeah, <laughs> man. Metaphorically speaking. I remember when I was going through that dark place, it's, you've just like brought something up for me, which was, um, uh, yeah, I've not talked about this before, but I'm similar. And I think it comes from when you're a leader and you're a CEO, you're constantly seen as like, you've got to, you've got to carry the world on your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And like, we, we all go through stuff and I'm not saying like, I don't like to overshare and I don't like to burden people, but, um, sometimes I put so much pressure on myself to like hold up this perfect facade because there's so many people that depend on me yeah. where what I had like a really dark, the dark, dark of the dark. And, um, 
<laughs> I would just message my best friend. I'd be like, hey. And she'd be like, hey. And then, like, that's all I would say. And then two days later, I'd go, hey. And she's like, hey, how are you? And I'm, I'm like, <laughs> and on a Friday, I'm like, hey. And she's like, hey, what's happening? And she's like, why do you keep messaging me? Hey. I'm like, oh, I want to tell you how fucking shit everything is. <laughs> yeah. But I can't. So yeah. I just message, like, hey. <laughs> yeah, man. But, like, Sometimes you just got to even force yourself to do that. Yeah. Because it's, it's shit, bro. Like, you don't want to say, oh, fucking business is shit and I failed at this and this isn't working. Yeah. And, you know, I've got no support network and money's dried up and I, I've got no one to help me and I'm fucking all on my own. Everything's shit. I can't say that because my ego won't let me. Yeah. So I'll just ping her and just say hey all the time. Yeah. Um, it's hard, but I've done what you've done and it's it's not, yeah, it's it's not, it's it sucks. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's practice. And I think for yeah. me- I, I like to serve. I like to help other people. I think that's one of my driving forces. So when I feel like I'm burdening people, when I feel like I'm not giving them energy, giving them life, giving them shine, like, yeah. like that's how I, that's how I like to view up and show up in the world. And if I don't have that energy internally, then I can often close down a bit and go insular. Do you think it's like a Superman complex or something like a <laughs> Batman complex? Cause it's like, yeah, I get the sound. It's weird. It even feels good, man, just to hear someone else that goes through the same thing. Because yeah. um, I'm lucky as well. Like my best, I'm fortunate. So my mentor is my best mate from high school. And um, when I am in that place, like, man, he will just like break the door open, rip me out. He's like, yeah. nah, because he's like, I can't invest into someone. I can't have someone on my team who's in this place. He goes, I'm going to drag you out. You talk through what's happening. Yeah. We're going to fix it and we're going to get back in the ring. Yeah. I'm so lucky to have that. Yeah, like, man. have you ever had anyone who's been able to drag you out, whether intentionally or unintentionally at that place? Um, I think for me, there are some select people who I, I guess I trust with my deepest, darkest vulnerabilities. Mm. And, and unfortunately, it's not a huge amount of people, but um, coaches, you know, I've got two coaches I've worked with for many years that will be there. Like, as I said, fortnightly sessions. Is this the girl that you yeah, gave Maura me? Is, yeah, Maura's one of them. Yeah. And I got called Jono. What's uh, her name? Maura. Shout out Maura. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not, no doubt she'll listen to this. So, yeah. you know, she's been an incredible support through my darkest and also my brightest moment. So she's there. Um, Jono's there. Who's awesome. another performance coach. How long have you had them for? Jono for a couple of years, but I've known him for t 10 years, probably right. um, more for four, four or five years, maybe four years. Really? Um, yeah. Like weekly fortnightly sessions kind of thing. That's so that, but that's a kind of, so I'm like working <laughs> trying to work on the self to get out and being super aware of it and yep. trying to articulate it and get their perspective and feedback. And well, that's almost your version of, Hey, <laughs> it right. Is, yeah. yeah. Cause it's and like, I've got the session. I've got to yeah, show up. Yeah. That's, that's I've got to be honest with it. Do you know what's but funny? It's like just me and them. And it's like in our little zoom room or like in person. Yeah. It's weird. I, Cause I, I, sometimes not in this scenario, but sometimes I'll put infrastructure around me where I'm like, I'm going to book this because I need it. And I know I have to show up for it. And when I show up for it, I'm going to feel better for yeah. it. Like That's, a PT session, right? Like yeah. if you're paying for a PT session, you're right. going to be there. You're going to get there on the gym on time. You know, it's going to suck. Yep. They're going to push you through, even though if you you know don't feel like it, they'll, they'll be smart enough to adapt the program a little bit. But I think there's a difference between I'm going to go to the gym on Friday and there's a PT session at Friday at 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. So it's kind of almost as if like if we're giving advice to people in this, like, you know, because as an entrepreneur, it's not everyone's going to go through darkness. Mm. Like it's, it's impossible not mm. to go through. It's almost like, you know, my advice is just even if it's minimal, just send something to someone, you know? Yeah. Like, but it, it may seem like such a small thing, but that's my mechanism yeah. to get out. And if, if you're not capable of that, it sounds like your alternative mechanism is to just get something booked in the calendar, something yeah. that you need to be there for. I think like one, I would say they're professionals, so that's helpful, yeah. but I don't, I think maybe- even Mine are very not professional, Steve. <laughs> a friendship, uh, a friendship. I don't like giving advice. I'll share my experiences of what works, works for me. 
I think that's one of them. And then the other one is I've got a group of entrepreneurs um, for the last five or six years now. It's an entrepreneur network called EO, Entrepreneurs Organization. Well, are you one of the founders of this or a chairman? Uh, I was the president actually of it. How long did you co-found co this? No, 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 no. It's been around for like 40, 50 years. Um, it's a global organization, 20,000 plus entrepreneurs. Right. You have to be doing a certain revenue to get in. So it's a you know, qualified group of people. And in Sydney, there's 200 members. And um, I was a, the president last year for... Uh, the Sydney chapter. Okay. He was the youngest president. So you're, <laughs> doesn't surprise me, Steve. <laughs> so when I was a baby, founded my first, second technical company, <laughs> second tech company. Um, uh, yeah, that doesn't surprise me. I got a me. lot out of that. And, and and there's two parts to that. There's like a forum, which is the same eight people that you catch up with once a month for four hours. And we, Wait, you catch up with eight people for four hours once a month? Yeah, in, in one group. Oh, right. I was going to say, I'm doing yeah, like eight yeah. times. Eight, so it's a lot no, of hours. No, 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 no. Eight people, four <laughs> yeah. hours. And it's like, you know, two to six or three to seven or something like that. Yep. And very, very deep shares on the most significant things that happen in your life. And right. And then it's, you get the experience shares of everyone else in the room who are super successful entrepreneurs from different backgrounds and ages and, and life experiences and businesses and industries. No competition. Everything's hyper confidential. And then you get seven amazing experience shares to go, wow, that worked for you through this time. Hey, that was an interesting book that you read when you were going through something similar. Oh, that's what I might face in two years when I get to that level of business or family or right. something. So you get that once a month. So it's almost like group therapy for entrepreneurs. Yeah, it's pretty close to that. <laughs> that's awesome. And then the chapter as an organization puts on epic events like every couple And you've weeks. done this for how long? This for five years. I joined- right. Pretty much as soon as you like, as soon as you qualify, there's an accelerated yeah. program, which is like over 250 grand, up to a million in revenue. You can do this accelerated program. Oh, you say it's 250k to get in. I was gonna go, Jesus, man. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's just like it's a smaller business, but like has some revenue. Right. Then they try and get you over the million US mark, and there's an accelerated program. I did that for nine months, and I think one accelerated the year, and then right. joined EO proper, and that's over one mil US. In, a, in Sydney, there's a little bit different criteria, but globally, it's a one mil US criteria. Right. And then as soon as I qualified like a million and one to sign up to that, and then yeah, that was about five years ago. So you're really chasing that next level each time you hit that milestone. Well, I think for me, it's always like pressure and put myself, we talked about before, put myself in the environment to succeed yeah. and unconsciously level up. So I'm not like, what thing am I doing today to level up? It's like, no, no, if, if I just sit in this room and just observe and just absorb and just listen yeah. and do nothing else, like just lie on the floor, you'd yeah. still get better. Like it's one of those like default win positions. That's very good advice, bro. It's really, really good advice, especially for people who are trying to like force themselves out of that square. Yeah. So if you don't have professional coaches, you don't have like a group of entrepreneurs, it's like, who are those buddies? Who are those hustlers that yeah. you can look to your left and right? Who are on a similar journey yeah. with you that are similarly aligned on ambition ultimately have a similar aim and then you can ride that wave together. And I think having that cohort, that generation, that um, that community tribe, you know, that will probably be the best advice or best thing that worked for me is having those type of people on the come up. And it's then they bear witness to the journey. It's not they've seen on the sidelines. They're kind of, they're running along side, side by side. That's really good advice, man. That's it's almost like you've just put a case study around the concept of, um, you're the architect of your environment and you're the product of who you surround yourself with, right? Like it's it's case in point for what you've just put together. It's very hard to swim against the stream of, you know, the culture that, that you're in. So like- Very true. So yeah, pick, pick, really pick true. a stream that's naturally flown in the direction you want and then just enjoy the ride. Let me check something. Just wait there. Hang on. We're going to keep going because it's sugar as well. You know, it's been an hour and 20 minutes. 
Yeah, wow. Who thinks that? Does it feel like it's been like five minutes? Yeah, it was the shine, mate. <laughs> I'm so glad we're sponsored by this wonderful yeah, company. This, this podcast brought to you by Shine. <laughs> Bro, that's a, a good segue because there's a few things I want to talk about this. Yeah, so, um, you know, I've I've been very fortunate enough to have known you for a long enough amount of time to have watched this from start to finish. Mm. And I think there are two things that impress me with when you started this. Um, and it might not be what you think. The first yeah. one is this started with just a single drink, just a single delicious mm. little drink. Yeah, a little shot. <laughs> yeah, just a little shot. And I used to smash them, bro. Yeah, you loved I'll, it. I'll, I would get a case and I'll be there because I work like 20 hours a day, but bang, shine, bang, yeah. another shine. So it started out with just one product. And, um, you know, obviously it's in stores all over the country now, um, but uh it also started with that kind of street hustler mentality mm. where you were just like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but you were just getting like uni students, giving them a target list of stores and they were just gunslinging. Is that right? Um, well, even store before to that, store. It, was, it was one cafe at a time. It was like, yeah. let's get this one shot on this one counter. And, I remember. And then just going, is it going to work? Like, is it going to sell? And and kind of juxtaposition that with how I started Face Buy was like everywhere, everyone, right. let's get it all on. This was a very like targeted going, we need this type of consumer in Sydney CBD to be drinking it in this type of store. And then don't do anything else. Don't do marketing. Don't do anything else until we know that this store is going to sell seven units a week off a counter if we put it there. Can I tell you something? So I'll sometimes use your business as a case study for entrepreneurs, mm. some older, some younger, and they'll have these businesses with a whole bunch of products and they're trying to scattergun and do this, that, and whatever. And I say, listen, there's this company founded by Steve and they started out doing this. And they'll be like, oh yeah, but they're all over. I'm like, no, no, not all yeah, no, not all. I'll be like, he had one drink and he just put that one drink into one cafe and then two and then three and then thousands. And that, and I see these founders where they've got like all, um, you know, they might have a whole bunch of products, um, in whatever sector it may be, mm. you know, it could be consumables, whatever. And they're trying to like, just kind of hope that one of their 12 products will hit a lick. Yeah. And I'm like, if you, if you strip it back and you just go one product that's good and get a thousand people to like that product, yeah. you can go from there because I always tell them, I'll give you an example. Let's say the most difficult decision in your day is like, are we going to develop a grape product or a lemonade product? Mm. That is what I call the most privileged problem that you've earned the right to have mm. because you've you've scaled it to the point where, okay, now I can develop more, yeah. but you earn, you've got to earn that right. So what I want to know from you is um, how at that early stage did you take a product that was just one shot mm. of drink and get it to the point where you had enough sales to be able to do all the fun stuff. Yeah. Because it must be fun making like new products. <laughs> it's fun to make new products. I think, you know, as a framework, I would say one million, one product. Right. If you can't get one product to a million in sales, then you don't have the right product. I was going to say million dollars or a million units? Million uh, sales. Right. Million dollars in sales. Million dollars in sales. Like round numbers. I don't care what industry you're in. It's roughly like get a product that you can sell for like a million dollars. Mm -hmm. And then how do you get to 10 million? It's probably then diversifying with different products with a similar consumer base and a similar competence in terms of your back end. I can back that one up with some data. So then you go, cool, one product in, you know, for us in Shine, it's Nootropics, it's healthy, it's better for you, and it's got like ingredients in there that are good for the brain and the body. Mm -hmm. Cool. Let's get that one product and sell it for a million dollars. And then you go, okay, cool. What are the common factors here that we can build on with common consumers, with a common competency, aka the business engine isn't fundamentally different. A lot of the times you see this in a restaurant, for example, they got one restaurant 
and and then they get the restaurant to a million dollars and then they go, okay, cool. Well, we're a steak restaurant. Maybe we should then get into like butchering and go like, go get a farm and make our own cows. Right. And then, you know, slaughter the meat and then serve it. And it's like, we <laughs> yeah. go vertical yeah. in the supply chain. It's like, you know, nothing about slaughtering cows and, and farming and agriculture. And, this, I say this all the time. But bro. you open up another restaurant that's maybe not steak, but it's like maybe a Chinese place around the corner in your same location, your same demographic. Mm. You know how to market in the area. You know the council, you know all the waitering and the location and the retail and the and the laws and the taxes and food, food safety that's your competency like stick to your competency with a similar consumer base because you're not going to eat steak every night one night you want my you know chinese so you actually have the same customer base you're selling them twice now you've got two restaurants doing two million that's a good diversification because you're leveraging existing competencies and customers mm-hmm. so for us us launching a carbonated version of us of our initial product with the same flavor Great, same customers, same need state in terms of I need a pick-me-up, a healthy pick-me-up, but now I got a little shot and now I get a different flavor. And then you go, okay, cool. Now, how do we leverage that? Mm. And our customers are slightly different to our consumers. Our consumers are the ones who are drinking it, end state, like you and me, mm. but our customers are like 7-Eleven, Coles, Woolworths, et cetera. So then I've got the same customer like Coles mm. and they go, okay, what else does Coles need? They need a four-pack in the aisle. They need a... 250 mil slimline can at the front of the store. They need a 330 mil glass in the right. In so the did, fridge. You, did you kind of calibrate the collections to these businesses as well? Yeah, you look at it from a category perspective. Because that's that's clever. Because I yeah, I, it's I've been working on a brand where it's, it was a similar thing. Because we were thinking about mass scale. Yeah, and I had to say to the team, I'm like, what we've got right now, it's all ecom. Like it's not store based stuff. Yeah. So. Are you saying that you thought about their needs as well? Hundred, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Like they're our customers. We're in partnership with them. Yep. So then it's a partnership with our supplier to go, hey, cool, we need a new machine to do four packs. We need a new machine to do big 500 mil cans. We mm-hmm. need, so then we're kind of almost three-way partnering with like, what what can our manufacturers give us? Or we have to work with others. What does our retailer want? Ultimately, ultimately we're all here to serve the consumer. And But we're working with Coles to serve the consumer in the best way and as number and the most number of consumers. Right. And you waited until the single product hit a million in sales before you did any of this. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. And um, could you talk me through, you know, like um, how many small resellers you had to get on the books before you started getting the big ones? It's and this is the fun part of this. It's just numbers. Yeah. Like it's you break it down to sales funnel. You know, if you let's say you're doing one one drink per day, it's yep. not a huge number. It's not a small number either. But that's that was our benchmark. Like one one drink a day, so seven per week per and store. Then, yeah, per store. Right. So then you go, okay, cool. You get two cafes. You do fourteen. You do three cafes. You do twenty one. Like. You just keep scaling it to the point. Then you go, okay, I've got 50. And and someone smart than me, a guy who started uh, with the CEO of um, Bundaberg Beverages, like the Bundaberg Ginger Beer. Yep. Um, CEO, John. Uh, he- Yes, friends? Yeah, we were. Like, yeah. He, like he was one of the guys I just reached out to right. and asked for advice. And That's awesome. I did that with everyone who's ever started the beverage company. Isn't it, isn't it humbling to be able to do that though? Like, yeah. It's, it's, it's like most people don't do it because they don't think they'll give you the time. No, but it's like- will. They will. Yeah. They like to do it. They like to give back. And someone probably helped them along their journey and they just want to pay it forward. And now there's probably little Steves that come up to you. All the time. And I'm always like, I'll give <laughs> but you But isn't it good? Yeah. yeah. That's awesome, bro. Okay. So keep going. This so you end up going, what he gave me the advice as well. So credit to him. He just said, do a five by five strategy, which is like in a, in a postcode with the highest density of consumers that you are targeting. What are the five coolest best stores you want to be in in those like let's say bondi okay cool these five cafes the coolest five cafes most influential highest turnover stores that we want to be in do nothing but those five stores do nothing but those until those five stores are flying and then the next five in that area will naturally come on 
So then you've got 10 stores in the area. You've got 10 cafes and grocers in Bondi. Right. So you're almost like influencing the, the reseller market. Correct. Because they've all got their own influence chain. Yeah. It's, it's almost like retailer influencing. Correct. So like, you know, like a Woolworths will look at Harris Farm. Yeah, What's right. What's Harris Farm doing? They're like bleeding edge retailers. You know, in Whole Foods in America, it will dictate what Harris Farm does, for example. So you go like, who's, who are you trying to influence and who's influencing them? That's clever. So you end up with the five coolest in the area. You you become best friends with them. You do sampling. You do 1K radius Facebook ads around that store. You do everything. You do sampling. You become best friends with the manager. And then the next five will naturally come on. And then you just nail those 10. And you got 10, which is quite a good population density in one postcode. Mm-hmm. So then you start to shine everywhere. And you're doing Facebook ads in that one postcode. So you, you're seeing it online. You're seeing it in stores. Everyone's drinking it. Yep. Influential. It's got this hype. Yep. And then you just move to the next suburb. You need the next postcode. And you do that one by one. That's clever. That's really clever. How did it feel when, um, sorry to cut you off, but I was going to say, how did it feel when they start coming to you? Um, it feels good. Like it's still harder to service sometimes because it falls out of the flywheel. So if you think Meaning, about like, I don't know, if these stores, let's say we're doing Bondi and then, a, and then someone in Manly reaches out and you're like, maybe they're one of the top five, maybe they're not. But if you, all your focus and intentions on Manly, it's so distracting, so easy to go, oh, just take one in Manly. They want it, just send it there. Let's take one in Brisbane. They've seen what we're doing on socials. Let's send it to Brisbane. And then suddenly you've gone from a really targeted, deliberate focus to you've got scattergun approach again because right. they've come to you. So it's almost sometimes easier to fall out of focus. Yeah, but is it like, because I'm curious about this. Are you saying that like if you get, and this is a really interesting topic. If you get um, stores coming in outside of the strategy, does that take resources internally away from the stores does. that need that? Yeah. Right. So and then is- you're going to lose your, then you're, then you're um, diluting your focus and therefore results in the, in your actual strategy to chase ones that may or may not work, but you've got to send them cases. You've got to chase up. You've got to follow up orders. You've got to chase payments. They'll call you. They'll ask you for more flavors. Are you saying it can be a bad thing to have too many stores? hundred percent. That's good advice. You got to, you got to be super deliberate. So then you know what channel you're focusing on, what consumer you're going after, what products you're selling them until you've proven it. We and had, then you keep scaling it. We had the same thing in our agency where we were like, oh, it'd be so cool to have a hundred clients. And we got like 60 and we're like, this is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> and then- um, And the ones that don't pay you and ones that ask for you know late payments. And then we stripped it back to 10. We tripled our revenue. 100%. And we worked and, half the hours. And profit as well, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. But isn't it funny because um, you know, in the same way we talked about Facebook at the start of the conversation mm. where it's like, it's an ego boost to get 10K downloads. Like it's not until you realize the mechanics of how everything works that it's like, wait, what if I could just have half the downloads, five times the profit and work half the hours? Yeah. It's better. Yeah. So you're saying that's the same in the beverage business. And, and but again, this is like strategies for not just if it's a good idea, it's when it's a good idea. So right. like when you're starting out, when you're getting your first mass, when you're getting your first million, that's the strategy. Mm. You're going from 10 to 20, that's a different strategy. For sure. Then we're talking volume because you need efficiencies to the supply chain yep. to then unlock profit per unit, which you invest back in marketing. And then that will drive rate of sale because you've got enough coverage to do marketing outside of store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you, you don't have that money because you don't have the flywheel, you don't have the efficiency, you don't need the volume. Yeah, we're even saying out there that um, sometimes not having money can be a good thing too Yeah, because you operate a lot more strategically. Correct, and you're learning. And, and that, that early stage stuff is all about insight. It's all about who's buying it, why they're buying it, what time of day, what flavors they like, why aren't they buying it, what's converging them on a packaging level because the yeah. packaging is the same in a million stores and the same in one. So you goddamn better make sure that's working. Now, all this shines work in your brain, Steve, very well. Um, 
Can I ask, um, and you know, just just to, see, to the extent you can disclose historically or currently, or whatever, um, like, was there a point where you hit your first million um, sales of the of the small unit, and like, how how many sales has it done since then? To the extent you can give any data points on that, um, I think all shine since we started probably done about seventy or eighty retail like million units. Oh, dollars. So that's probably wow. 50 million units, maybe 40 it's million. It's incredible. 40 million units. Probably something like that. So you came up with a thing that 40 million people are putting inside of themselves. <laughs> I, I like that. I like, I like that's you know, awesome. converting it into like actually someone's, let's say, paycheck and then they take a $5 bill and then they've transferred yeah. their five to this little thing. <laughs> yeah. And then that's happened like- Yeah, but how cool is like it? Like tens of thousands of times. Can yeah. I tell you something as well? Um, this is something I think you, you don't get enough credit for. A lot of people go into entrepreneurship wanting to like change the world and do better. It's so much easier said than done. And sometimes I'll tell people, you got to get the bag before you can make a difference. You have managed to create something that genuinely does help people and make money in the process. Mm. That's difficult to do. That's not easy. Yeah. Because a lot of the time you kind of got to be ruthless in what you do and you got to get the money and then use that money to have greater social impact. But you've really scaled something that has social impact from the ground up. I think if you despise money, it will like avoid you. And I think moral, morally wealth creation is possible. And I think if you don't think it's possible, you won't take the morally correct path to generate it. But are you saying, you saying you can make money and have morals? Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And I think I there's, a, there's a belief out there from people who generally aren't wealthy will say, oh yeah, if you have money, you've done something, you've, you've screwed someone over, you've, yeah. you've stolen, you've lied, you've cheated, you've got an unfair advantage, you got lucky, you inherited. It's like, no, like someone's just created enough value that you've been willing to pay for it. Yeah. And no. ultimately it's all about creating value. We, um, yeah, we, well, I've, I've been in e-com and services based businesses. Um, but like both of those sectors, like we had to earn the right to be able to give back. Yeah. Um, but I think with you, like from the first bottle that's been consumed, it's been designed to help people, Yeah, you know? So like- It's on our, it's on our mission statement. It's yeah. like we're here to help yeah, what um, is it? think, feel and do better. Rid the world of bad energy. Yeah. That's, is this is that a new one? Uh, it's ultimately to help people think, feel, and do better, and to rid the world of bad energy. That's is, that's a new one. Uh, it's probably three three years ago. I reckon yeah. we came up with that. Well, the first one was think, do better, right? No, the, oh, we've changed. Think, that. feel, and do better. Yeah, that's probably been the essence of it. Yeah, it definitely started more as a brain function, nootropic cognition, and now it's evolved a lot more into a better energy. Yep, I think it wasn't. It was, would have been think better to start with. Now it's very much around holistically giving people the energy to go and shine, to go live yeah. their best life. Yeah, it's. I mean, man, having having consumed your product from day one, like it's it's an exceptional product. And, and when the we fact started can, it, we did a combination of every time you bought a bottle, we donated a day of drinking water to people. I remember it. that. And we set a crazy big end target, going like, we're going to donate a million days of drinking water. And then we did that like relatively quickly. We're like. Shit, like we, we need to, we need to get a new charity partner. Like, what do we do now? We've hit our goal. <laughs> These kids have got too much water. I know one of them's drowning yeah, in water yeah. bottles. <laughs> yeah, we want to leave some kids for the rest of them to save. <laughs> yeah, we've saved too many kids. God damn it! I know, right? So you know, and that one we won some global beverage award for that, and yeah, you know, it was pretty cool to like have that impact. Um, <laughs> but at the end of the day, also that unfortunately it costs a lot of money. Oh, the, the social impact program? Yeah, it did. Right. And, and one, it was slightly detached from what we're trying to do. Our beverage in itself, as you said, does help people. And us to then donate most of the profit we're making, if not all of it, to mm. a program that helped people overseas. We then couldn't sustain any sort of marketing in Australia. We couldn't sustain any further growth in Australia. And we're looking at these like big checks we're writing every month. And we're like, 
we probably need to spend this on the business to keep the impact in Australia going and, and the mm-hmm. company to keep growing. So ultimately what I want to do is more of a partnership with mental health. I think yeah, for us, it's going one. like helping people think, feel and do better for me is such a, is a mindset is a mental health thing. Yeah. Um, so I want to, you know, come up with a charity partnership with a mental health organization. Okay. That's good. That's, um, so it's definitely on brand contribution to the world. Yeah. Yeah. It helps that, good. you know, shine bright. I read the word about energy yeah. has some obviously stigma around, you know, pessimism and depression and stuff. Well, like. uh, yeah. And I think to be honest, man, like, you know, we talked earlier about being in that dark place. Like, yeah, man, it must feel good to be able to do something at that scale, mm. you know, whatever it ends up being that can help other people get out of that place. Cause it's not good. It's not fun. It sucks. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And I think, as you said before, like knowing others have gone through it and come out is mm. sometimes such a piece, piece of valuable information. Maybe just sitting at this desk, you know, like you would never have known that about me. I would never have known, you know, how, how dark it had got for you. Yeah. yeah and I think what you end up building is the resilience to, you know, handle those darker times. As I said, like less intensely for shorter periods of time, getting mm. yourself like, and that's why ultimately like I go and do, Ironman or endurance events, 100k runs, and yeah, man, I swear you're gonna be on the moon soon, dude. Every time I see you, you're in a new marathon. Did you see yeah. I did the boxing thing? Oh yeah, you oh, did that, hey. dude. That was hard. That looked intense. Oh man, there's nothing worse than getting hit in the face every day. Yeah, but it's good it builds resilience, hundred percent. And, and then people you get hit in the face in real life. Although I've I can handle this. I can bounce back. And people say, why are you doing it? I'm like, well, here's what I'm learning from it. How to get hit in the face, how to recover, mm. how to get outside my comfort zone, how to do things I don't like, how to do things that are hard, how to be resilient, how to have tenacity. Like this is all what you, this, these are things you learn from combat sports. Yeah. And, you know, minus getting punched in the face, yeah. similar for what you're doing. I feel like we kind of, maybe you and me and other entrepreneurs drag ourselves through these challenges because yeah. it's like you want something that's synonymous with what you do. Yeah. And you, you want to physically feel what we go through in yeah. our in our lives and and to be fair like i've probably got an tendency where i'm like okay how do i get through this time and particularly you know previous times it's like okay well, alcohol is available yeah that's you a know, tough one that's a good that's, a, that's a good like place to avoid a difficult day is like i'm just gonna unwind with some alcohol can we talk about that because like how like yeah when you started this like Alcohol avoidance was a big part of your your mantra. I don't know if that's the right word yeah, for it. Yeah, or philosophy or lifestyle. I didn't yeah. drink alcohol for three, four years there. Correct. Like 100% didn't drink it. And then, you know, rarely drink now. I'm on a health kick at the moment. I don't drink at all. But, right. Um, you know, I'll go through 75 hard or I'll do the, just stuff like that sometimes with no alcohol. But it changed my relationship with alcohol massively from like just being a school kid and, and sports and, you know, one of the one of the fellas is going out for beers and getting drunk all the time, mm. and then that into corporate PwC and thinking there was some marketing relation between success and alcohol. Yeah, that's I I found, and I don't know your views on this, but I found there was a a really I don't know if dangerous is the right word, mm. but a really unhealthy dynamic in the corporate world with alcohol where it's 100%. like it's so for me and you right, and I, I'll just speak for me. I can't speak for you. You can go to me, but for me, it's a it's a rare thing and it's a thing that's a reward and it's a thing that is only to be done with people that I like. It's never to be done if I'm sad. It's never mm. to be done if I'm bored and it's definitely never to be done with people that I don't like because mm. I don't hang out with people I don't like anyway. I'm definitely going to fucking drink with them. Yeah. I found in the corporate world, you know, for me, it might be once every three to six months. In the corporate world, it was every fucking week and it yeah. was Thursday and Friday every, and it was mandatory. Night, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it was mandatory and it was with people you don't like. Yeah. Did you see that same thing? Yeah, and I would say people drink, you know, to socially lubricate a conversation because they feel uneasy, they feel uncomfortable, and yeah. then they use alcohol to, and and it works, so it's effective. Why not do it? Like, for sure. And I think 
it's a short-term Band-Aid, there's probably a better conversation to have internally to go, why do I feel uncomfortable in social situations? How do I get more okay with it? How do I be more comfortable in my own skin to have the conversations and the depth of conversation that I'd actually enjoy having? Yeah. Or just don't go. Like, if you're not going to enjoy it. <laughs> but how good is it sometimes just not going to some shit? <laughs> yeah. And some, I, I had this thought once where I was like, I, I was thinking about with sweets and sugar and stuff. And yeah. it's like, you sit at home, you know, like, movie or something like that or like you just like after a friday night or saturday night and you're like yeah i don't want to go out so you just like let's just have a bag of maltesers watching a movie <laughs> and it's like life is sweet enough yeah like if you need a bag of sugar to make it sweeter like change the movie spoken <laughs> like a true shine founder steve yeah. change <laughs> change the environment you know like yeah. make your environment light you up yeah instead of you going to alcohol or sugars or whatever it is drugs to avoid the fact that it's not lining you up I'll give you a perfect example. Like I went out for beers with Blake the other day, but we hadn't seen each other in three months. Mm. Literally just sat there just drinking beers, talking business. He hadn't drank for about two months. He was working his ass off on the business. Yeah. And um, we said to each other, we're like, this is good because we earned it. We're in good company. We're talking about cool things. You know, it's all right to have a drink on occasion, but mm -hmm. it was just the occasion where it was like, it felt like it was a reward for hard work. It was a one-off. And then we just got straight back to the grind yeah. the next day on, yeah. the, on, a, on, on the weekend. You know? yeah. You and use... I, yeah. And I think alcohol, yeah, to your point, it, it maybe exaggerates a moment in time or because it gives you dopamine. So I think sure. if we grind ourselves so hard and we try and to force us or teach ourselves behavior, like, like an animal too, like if you give dopamine at the end of a, a behavior you're trying to teach, it remembers the behavior to do it again. Yeah. So if you work really hard and then give yourself at the end of a really good behavior, a positive reward stimulant in the form of dopamine, yeah. then you're more likely to do it. If you starve yourself of dopamine forever and you never actually have the release of it, then your body over time is going to go change the behavior. What's your view on dopamine detoxing versus dopamine <laughs> cycling? Because <laughs> I call myself, well, I have ADHD in case yeah. you haven't noticed over the past fucking decade. <laughs> um, but I, I, I've i learned dopamine management is really important with mm -hmm. the condition that I have because it is something that someone with my thing craves. Mm -hmm. So I've had to learn to deprive myself of it and drip feed healthy amounts, mm -hmm. um, you know, as required in a healthy manner. Yeah. A lot of if you don't give it to yourself at all, you'll go crazy and you do something stupid to I'll get go it. mental. Yeah. And, and the shadow, Carl Jung's shadow will break out. <laughs> and you'll sad shit up at school. You're like, I'll do something wild. Like Exactly. Yeah. So you, you got to give it to yourself. You it's need like letting to letting the steam out. Yeah, a little bit. And yeah. I think, and rewarding good behavior to that point. It's going, how do I, how do I trigger dopamine in a way that rewards positive behavior? That's going to keep me further progressing on my goals, more motivated, more mm. energized, et cetera. How more. do you manage yours? Um, I think I try and avoid things that are like artificially stimulating. So like social media, just stupid videos, entertainment. Yeah. TikTok, I assume you're not on TikTok? <laughs> no, I don't have a TikTok. Oh, like I just reshare the shine stuff. But yeah, yeah. Um, news, I don't watch any news. You're the, you're the third entrepreneur this week that's come in here and said that. Did you know that? Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And then like for me, I just don't need that one stimulation because it's all fear-based. Mm. Two, I don't need that like waste of time from an entertainment perspective. Mm. And then three, it's ultimately like generally negative thoughts that I'm like, oh, is the world really this bad? Yeah, 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 true. And, and I'm like, true. I'd rather just use my mental capacity to think about positive things or ideas yeah. or problem solving or my own internal stuff or what's coming up for me. Yeah. So like social media, I try and avoid or watching like the videos, like the, the TikTok reels and stuff like that. Yeah. I'll very like very deliberately do that for a short period of time and that's it. And it, only when it's like motivational stuff or yeah. quotes and stuff that kind of, again, fuel my cycle to the positive. Um then, you know, I'd say video games, I've avoided that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Alcohol, generally avoided that. What do you reckon alcohol once every like three months, something like that, four, six? Um, at the moment, it's probably six weeks, zero okay. alcohol. But um, 
prior to that, you know, probably like a wine at home. Yeah. You know, and to your point, like with really good company. Yeah. In a really nice environment. That's important, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just like just that little downtime with like the right the right people. Yeah. To to kind of enjoy and reward instead of just like doing it just as boredom or just to escape avoidance of fear. Bro, the worst thing I ever did was drinking when I was not feeling good. Like yeah. it was, it was, I'm, I look back and I'm so shocked that I did it Yeah, because it just, it's like, if there's a little fire here, you're like, oh, I know what to do to fix this. You yeah. pour a can of gasoline on it. Yeah. It's so bad, yeah. man. Like it's so dangerous. Yeah. And alcohol will make you more anxious for days following. That's like, so true. Scientifically proven. That's so true. So it's like, you're feeling anxious about something, you drinking will avoid it short term, but then you'll actually make you more anxious for the following three days. Yeah, man. I'll, I'll, get, I'll give you another good reason. Like, if we can just go on the topic of drugs for a minute here, like, I don't do coke for the reason that when I see people that do that drug, they become talkative, they become ambitious, they become confident, they've got all these ideas and they want to tell you about their ideas <laughs> and the next morning they're going to get up and they're going to start it, it's going to be the best thing ever and they they get shocked why I don't want to participate. Like, oh, come on, man, where's your... I'm like, number one, I've got ADD, so that would calm me down anyway, so I don't need that. <laughs> and I say, number two, all of this ambitious stuff you're talking about, I do that anyway. Yeah. I don't need drugs to come up with a business idea. Yeah. If I come up with one, it'll be done tomorrow. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll be feeling fresh. And I'll yeah, I'll feel great. And I'm like, I don't need drugs for confidence. I already have confidence. I don't need, like, I feel, I'd be keen to get your thought on this. Like maybe people who smash that too much, maybe like they're, they're missing that, um, the confidence, the, 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 the enthusiasm that mm. we get out of other stuff. Like, do you think people are plugging holes with that drug? For, for sure. And it's, again, they're just searching for dopamine. And yeah. I think, you know, this is why the, the, the monks will go and live in the mountains in a monastery. <laughs> Have you done that? <laughs> I've been to a monastery in the mountains. Yeah? Have you done the monk experience though? Uh, not like fully committed monk. Oh, I've lived in a monk mode. The monks, bro. <laughs> and, but they do this because ultimately they remove every other ability to, to spike dopamine. So then when they perfectly sweep leaves into a pile, yeah, that's it's totally the most <laughs> beautiful pile you've ever seen. And they get a little brush of wind. Instead of TikTok, skin. they'll rake a couple of leaves. Oh man, it's so pretty. <laughs> and and they get this burst of feeling inside because like everything in life we experience is through contrast. Yeah. So if you have very, very, very still, still water, like perfectly still water, and then you put a little penny on the other side of the lake, you'll see the ripple. And it'll be beautiful. And that's like rape, raking the wet, um, sweeping the leaves. Yeah, you don't want to rape the leaves, Steve. <laughs> but if you have a very turbulent, very windy, you know, chaotic lake, you put a penny over there, you're not going to see the penny. You won't even see the ripple. Yeah, right. So it's so like our lives. By... So it's like our mind. That's like so our world. You create an environment of calm so that you can you appreciate, can appreciate the... the ripples. 100%. Yeah, and that, those ripples are all around us. The yeah. light sparking off the back of this off the back of your eyes. Oh, thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> the smells in the rose garden, yeah. like whatever it is, like the sunshine over water. That those like I as good as the highs of drugs and 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 alcohol yeah. if your lake is still enough. That's such a good point, bro. That's it's almost like tossing a penny into a sea storm. Yeah. You're not going to see anything. Exactly. So if you're always jammed up with social media like action movies video games drugs alcohol yeah. you know these short term you're not going to feel the beauty of life all around you yeah that's a really good point man that's a really good point the um the ruthless capitalist in me looks at that and says there's a market to sell them caffeine and sugar and <laughs> but then i just know it's so antithetical to everything else that you know i admire and what you've done yeah um thankfully we yeah natural yeah. caffeine zero sugar <laughs> mate that's awesome bro all right so there's a couple of things i want to talk about um because this is obviously a very successful business and i and i think that's by design and you know you should you should be really proud of what you've created um 
uh, just coming back to the iceberg, right? Like, so we see the tip and we've mm. got these delicious shines in front of us. We're talking about all these big numbers, which is cool. When have you had your back against the wall where it's just kind of you, it's all you, it's make or break. Like, you know, I could lose this. Have you been in that situation where- All the time. Right. And how does it, so could, could we get like one example of where you've completely had your back against the wall and you've just had to scrape your way out of it? Because a lot of people don't see that and they don't realize how hard it is, especially when you've got no one else, you know, yeah. when it's just you. I think I think I think life and journeys are a cycle of, you know, heroes' journeys is is an analogy mm-hmm. and an archetype that I love from from um, Joseph Campbell. But you know, shines the same where there would be a period of like initial momentum, then you hit a roadblock, mm-hmm. and then you go, I could plateau here or I could really go for the next level, and then through that you're gonna fail and learn, and then it starts to decline, and yeah. then you end up in a world of pain and hell, and and then if you figure out the insight the perspective shift, the the change you need to make and you get out of it and then you have this new growth cycle and yeah. then you kind of go, oh, well, we've just made from 500 to a million and then you're like, hey, cool, million feels nice, but do I want to go for two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you go, cool, if to get to two, we're going to have to go a new product range. All right, shit. Yeah. And then you, again, fall off a cliff. <laughs> do you do you figure out the insight like quick enough? It's like an sloping roller coaster. Yeah, and there's a full loop there, man. You go yeah, all the yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Bro, how, about, how bad are the loops though? Oh, man, they suck. Oh. They, like, and I don't want to like, make it too comical like they mm. generally hurt 100 percent, and they, 100%. they're not fun and they're not motivational they're not giving you energy they're draining every life out of you at the time yeah until you figure out the insight like the learning like the universe is trying to tell you something it's like yeah. can you open your eyes and really dig for that insight that lesson like is it pricing needs to change is it pack needs to change is it marketing needs to change is it people need to change is it channel i need to change like something needs to change for you to get to that next level yeah and if you're trying to hold on to the old ways and not adapt and, and innovate to the new ways then you often ride that baby straight to the ground right so your answer is kind of like it, you, i think ba- perspective so i think yeah. understanding one you're on that journey and where you are on your journey right will, will give you the hope and faith to go oh i know where i am this is the insight part. Yeah, yeah. And then your eyes are wide open and you're like, all right, what am I looking for? Is it this? Is it that? And you get super curious. You get super detailed. You go deep on all the different mastery problems and go, okay, test, 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 test. Got it. Implement. Mm-hmm. Shit, we're out. So you're saying the universe is tossing you a bunch of um, lessons and a bunch of challenges 100%. that you've never give you rise anything. to every time. Yeah, and the universe will never give you anything you can't handle. That's true. So you only get that level of challenge when you're at that level of opportunity. That's... Say that again. That was a good one. <laughs> you will only get the level of challenge yeah. that when you're ready for the level of opportunity. So right. if you solve that challenge, the opportunity is massive. Yeah. If it's a massive problem, it's a massive opportunity. That's incredible. That's that's a really. So good if you way deal with small it. problems, you're going to get small opportunities. So that's you got true. a massive problem, like, and that's why the problems keep getting bigger, but the opportunities keep getting bigger. Yeah, it's funny, man. When I started one of my first businesses, we got done over for like 100k, and I lost my entire life savings in one day. Mm. And um, I'll never forget there was like a. I was spinning out. I had, I had a three-month-old baby girl wow. and I, I had $1.07 in the bank and I still have a screenshot of it to this day because I was like, I was like, felt like I wanted to kill myself. Mm. I'm like, you know what? I can't even afford a rope. <laughs> I can't even afford to die. <laughs> and um, I had a three-month-old baby girl and I couldn't afford to get over the Harbour Bridge. And that 100K was my my work and my personal yeah, wow. savings. Yeah. So And I went home to my girlfriend and I said, oh, We've got no money. She's like, what do you mean? Like, I told her what happened. 
And she goes, oh, she goes, we'll be okay. I'm like, what? You insane? Mm. She's like, yeah, no, no, we'll be fine. I'm like, how the fuck are we going to be fine? We have no money. Yeah. And she goes, she goes, you'll figure it out. Yeah. She goes, you'll figure out a solution. I'm like, well, why do you have so much faith oh, in me? She, she goes, she goes, she, and she did the coolest thing. She goes, she goes, well, worst comes to worst, we'll move in with my parents. I said, we're not moving with your fucking parents. I'll just kill someone before we do that. She goes, aha. She goes, see that? She goes, that's why we're not going to be broke. Yeah. And then, so I went downstairs and I was like, okay, I've got two options. Option A is just cry about it and be a little baby. Mm. Or option B, I've got an agency. I've got an e-com brand. I can raise. I can scale. I can hit the phones. I could I could drum up 100K revenue tomorrow if I like, if it's make or break, yeah. do or die. Like I'm literally at that point now. I don't yeah. even have $5. Exactly. So I just, I literally, I like, I went to sleep and the next day I woke up and I fucking glued the phone to my hand <laughs> from 6 a.m. to like um, 10 p.m. And I'm like, I'm, it's not going to leave my hand yeah. until I've made at least 50K in yeah. contract sales. And that's but, what happens. But I would never have done that yeah. if I wasn't in that back against the wall uh, position. And, and also, like, you know, shout out to your girlfriend. Yeah, who, she's the best. <laughs> and, and it's this beauty, beautiful, yeah. you know, combination of what is like the masculine and the feminine. Like, yeah. And, and like, you, 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 there's massive studies done where some of the, you know, top six traits that, that a, like a male wants in a female or a masculine wants in a feminine is like two of them is like belief in the vision yeah. and trust that they can, they'll execute. Yeah. And it's like, that's actually like such an important role in the world. Like that they'll go, you've got it. I don't know how you're going to get it, but yeah. I'm just going to this blind faith in it. But how good does it feel? And then, and, and interesting, like the feminine doesn't want that from the masculine that the, yeah. they want like more protection and provider and, and security. And they want them to have a direction and like a clear understanding of where we're going. So yeah. I love that in that moment of computer darkness, like oh. this is just like blind belief that then just goes, no, 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 hang on. I've got a job to do here. Yeah. I've got a baby girl. I've got a girlfriend. I'm, I'm not going to let them go to Hungary. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to back myself and ultimately it worked out. Yeah. It was cool, man. It was cool. And I only thought of that because you just said, um, what is it? The bigger the challenge, the bigger the opportunity. And from that, our agency, you know, six figures a month, seven figures yeah. a year. Um, our econ brands are like doing really, really well. Um, I don't want to say it wouldn't have happened otherwise, but it definitely fast tracked. Yeah. Things. And, 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 Sometimes you get forced to look at these things and sometimes... Forced opportunity, I yeah, call it. Yeah, yeah and, and intuition, you know, rarely yells. It usually sh like whispers. Yeah. So if you if you listen to it early enough, you can maybe not get to the smack in face in reality. Yeah, and man. And you can course correct earlier. It's weird because hindsight's everything, right? And part of me even wants to go back and thank the dude because I'm like, mate, 10x everything because of this crime. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So. And there was a time like that with Shine... You know, where I remember we're probably like two, three weeks away from training insolvent. Really? It was like, How did that make you feel? Just brought up all this, all this stuff, man. It was, yeah. it was scary. It was, it was brink of destruction. It was everything I'd ever backed myself. You know, I'd had a public failure when I was younger. I was like, fuck, I'm going for a second one. Like this is, yeah. and, and, you know, in hindsight, it probably wasn't as bad. I, I felt at the time, but it, all the, all the doors were closed. Everything was kind of. Is this when you had to, when you're doing a raise? Um, no, we didn't do a raise. We ended up turning around ourselves, which is the really? point, which was like, it was like, I think we were like looking at investment. We end up saying no to that. We then end up um, losing one of our national range in from one of our biggest customers. Uh, a national what, sorry? A national customer. Like we end up having some packaging problems. We had all these issues on shelf. We had some wastage issues. So they end up going, we're going to potentially launch you in another category, but we're going to delete you from this category. Right. So there's like, you know, a million, million or two like lost revenue like yeah, like one phone call. And then, you know, the funding we said no to, the customer we've just lost, which is one of our biggest customers. 
um, we're already pretty lean because we're always like doubling down on on marketing and growth and yep. people are always investing ahead of the curve. Yep. So if that curve doesn't come, like there's a fucking big alligator gap pretty quickly. So you were at the point where, because that that's that 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 whether you believe it or not, it's your it's your creation, you know, it's yeah. your baby. <laughs> so that must have been hard. Yeah, it was. It was again. It was sobering. It yeah. was like okay, most options are now closed, if not all options are now closed. Go inward, like, and then ultimately what I came up with is like 10-part profitability plan. Yeah. It was like one, two, three, four, five, like the the basics, fundamentals, plus some magic. Yeah. And then executed all 10 things. And we went from like losing a bunch of money to making a bunch of money. Yeah. You know, we got- so you turned the whole thing around. We turned the whole thing around, you know, and traded out of it and, and became a lot better business and better fundamentals and better management and all those things <laughs> because of it. But I got, you know, forced into- Forced into what, sorry? Forced into, the, into accepting that reality. Yeah, and it's like how quickly can you adapt to the change environments we talked about before? Like how when the facts change, like change the plan. Yeah. So my facts had changed pretty quickly overnight, and then I was like, okay, plan's got to change. You know what I love? It's such a Stephen Liam example because I'm like, all right, I'm fucked. I'm just gonna glue a phone in my hand. You're like, I'm fucked. I'm gonna actually write a strategy. <laughs> it's just like it's like the gunslinger versus the thinker. Yeah. Like it's 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 cool. It's a good dynamic. Um, have I got? I just want to see if I got enough time to ask my last. You know, we blasted two hours. Yeah. Wow. Man, there's some good TikTok. For yeah, this. <laughs> no, I, I I think we've got some good ones. So, all right, I'll I've got two that I conclude with. Um, one short form, one you can take as long as you want. Mm. So the short one is like, for people who are starting out, don't have the confidence, dipping in and out of the dark place, mm. which is usually where most entrepreneurs start. Like, what's your best advice to kind of? I'm just gonna say just to motivate those mm. type of people because it's hard. How would you motivate someone to kind of keep going when it seems like it's just not gonna work? I wouldn't rely on motivation. Right. I, I just don't think that's when ch chips are down. Yeah. Everything's on the table. Like motivation is not the one sturdy thing advice. you want to hold on to. Well, for me, motivation is just not there when you need it. It's like a bad boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> All right. If you're going to advise them. What what I would say is, is um, similar to what I said before around focus on self. Like your business will only grow as fast as you grow. Right, that's good. You grow, your business will follow. So if you your business has problems, you got problems. <laughs> so is that kind of come back to your mantra you said originally about those three points of like eat, sleep, train? I think that's part of like physical health. I think then you need emotional and mental health. For sure. But ultimately the problem's internal. Yeah, so you think focus on the person before you can focus well, on the if business? If you think about it, ultimately the idea came from inside, right? Yep. So the solution will come from inside as well. That's good. That's really good. So ultimately something you're not doing or not seeing is causing this problem. So then ultimately you got to go and find what the problem might be. And ultimately, if you're the entrepreneur, like you're the one that's got to find it. Don't outsource the problem solving. It's yeah. the only one who's going to see every type of perspective is you. You can go ask for advice. You can go and ask for mentorship and you can get read books and podcasts and, and you got to do all of that. But if you're not willing to listen to the lesson and actually apply it, then there's no point asking any questions. So that first one that you said again, the, 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 the idea came from inside. Yeah. Like ultimately, like the company is a creation of an idea you had inside. So the solution to the problem is going to come from inside as well. That's a good point. It's a very good one. Clip that one. And then the last one is, um, uh, I, I've been saying like, where do you see yourself in 10 years? But I kind of, um, I've changed it a little bit to like, um, like, yeah, I guess, what do you want to be doing in 10 years from now? The ultimate success for me is doing what I love with people that yeah. I love. Awesome. And for me, I love entrepreneurship. 
I love health and fitness. I love endurance. I love learning new things. I love philosophy. I love um, new experiences. So like if I'm doing that with people I love, friends, family, mate, yeah. that's, that's success. And you reckon you're going to do this forever? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna play forever. Are you sure you don't want to retire, man? You can sit on a beach, you can drink a cocktail. Yeah, and that's what fun for a day, <laughs> yeah. maybe five. After that, sad. You don't want to be sitting by yourself, tanned and fucking I'm burned. Take, I'm taking the piss. I know you would never do that. I know, I. but I think a lot of people like that's their vision for success. It's like margaritas on the beach. It's like okay, pl play that out for ten days in a row. Like do it. You it's think not I that can expensive. sit still on a beach? Exactly, and it's not that expensive to try that life. No. You know, like go go to Bali and just literally just drink margaritas on the beach for ten days. After eleven days, you're getting the hell out of there. I can't holiday for more than two days. Yeah, yeah. So, um. Mate, two hours has blasted by. Um, I can't thank you enough for this. I, I think we got more than we bargained for. And um, Thanks for to be me. honest, man, I think we should do it again. Part two. <laughs> Thanks, thank bro. You, Cheers. Thank you.